Hey there, everybody. This is Angela Bowen, the host of many podcasts, from looking back on my wonder years to Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere to Show Me That Smile Again to <laughs> She's a Small Wonder uh, to Together We're Gonna Find Our Way and also Punky Power, a Punky Brewster podcast. I I thought this year. I'd like to also review, you know, some of my favorite movies. Um, I did a little bit of that during, um, last summer I covered, I entitled it Summer of Savage, where I covered some Fred Savage films. Um, also around Christmas time, I covered some Christmas classics like Home Alone, and this past year I did the sequel. I also covered Prancer, um, the Elvin and the Chipmunks, uh, Christmas uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Carol, and Frosty the Snowman, a Garfield Christmas, a Garfield Thanksgiving, stuff like that for the holidays. And I'm just like, I want to do some of the movies that I grew up with watching as a kid and that are very near and dear to my heart. And I did post um, at least probably about, what, maybe six films? There are going to be others. I would like to try to do maybe... A couple films a month. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to put off podcasting on the shows. I will be doing that. But um, I just thought this would be fun. Um, If you're new to the podcast and you're listening to a movie review. um, Go check out some of my other ones like Home Alone, Home Alone 2 uh, or Prancer. Because you'll be able to see how I do the movie reviews. I basically I'm watching the movie and I'm commenting and kind of describing, you know, what's going on and everything. So spoiler alert if you have not seen the movie before I talk about it, go out and watch it. I think on Amazon Prime it's like three ninety nine. It might be available on Netflix. I don't know about Hulu though. But um I've loved Beethoven for a very, very long time. Uh, This movie came out in 1994. I am going to be reading straight from the IMDb page. So you're going to get when the movie was released. Of course, you're going to get the synopsis, the cast, um, trivia, the budget, stuff like that. Before we actually get into the actual film. so. So to start off, let's start off with the synopsis. A slobbering St. Bernard becomes the center of attention for a loving family, but must contend... Oh, hold on, it's loading. But must contend with a dog-napping veterinarian. Is that guy really a vet? I don't think he is. I don't think he's a real veterinarian. And the guy's henchman. Oh, here's another one that's uh, written by... Uh, the, that one was written by Rob Hartill. And this next one seems to be a little bit more... Um, it's got more to it. The Newton family live in their comfortable home, but there seems to be something missing. This hole, in quotes, is filled by a small puppy who walks into their home and their lives. Beethoven, as he is named, grows into a giant of a dog, a St. Bernard. Dr. Varnick, the local vet, has a secret and horrible sideline which requires lots of dogs for the experiments. Beethoven is on the do- bad doctor's list. Uh, okay, I can see why uh, they went on the uh, the shorter version of the synopsis. This, mo- 
this is kind of on the low end. It's got a 5.6 out of 10. But this is based on 59,188 user reviews. This movie was directed by Brian Levant. Writers John Hughes, who you all would know, I guess he wrote this under the name Edmund Dantes. So I'm guessing, is it Edmund Dantes? Isn't that like, um, is it A Tale of Two Cities? No, no, wait. Um, shoot. I can't think of the, it was, um, another book. I can't think of it. The Count, right? The Count of Monte Cristo. See, I don't know. And written by Amy Holden Jones. Alright, let's get to the release date here. This movie was released, if I can get to it, April 3rd, 1992. So I would have been 9 at this time. I wouldn't have turned 10 until at least August. Alright, let's look at the cast. We have Charles Grodin. He plays George Newton. And Bonnie Hunt as Alice Newton, who you all, you know, the young kids will probably know her as uh, the voice of Sally from Cars. Let's see what else. Um, she was in The Green Mile. She was also in Jumanji. She's got quite a, uh, Jerry Maguire. She played Renee Zellweger's sister. She played Bonnie Hops, who is Judy Hops' mother. She was Mrs. Graves and Monsters University. Uh, she plays Dolly in Toy Story 3. So quite a... Oh, yeah, she was also in the Cheaper by the Dozen movies. The, um... The ones with Steve Martin. So she, she's got a lengthy resume. Uh, Dean Jones plays Dr. Varnick. He is the uh, evil veterinarian. I'm really wondering if that is really even his occupation. Whether maybe he just fudged that a little bit. His um, diploma or something. Because it's just, I don't know. Maybe he actually is a vet. Nicole Tom. Now, out of the three kids, we have Nicole Tom, Christopher Castle, and Sarah Rose Carr. Nicole Tom plays Rice. You guys will probably, if you grew up in the 90s, if you're familiar with the Fran Drescher show, The Nanny, she was on that show for, what, probably like eight seasons? Um, Christopher Castle, uh, again, 90s show, step by step, he played Mark, the son of Suzanne Summers, and stepson of... Uh, Patrick Duffy. Sarah Rose Carr. Uh, the most notable thing that she has done, aside from the two Beethoven films, was Kindergarten Cop that starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. She played Emma, and she is she actually played in that in 1990, two years before Beethoven came out, and I believe it's directed by the same guy, Ivan Reitman, or produced by him. Um, and I think he liked her so much, he's like, hey, do you want to star in this next movie? I think you'd be great as the youngest. Um, she had a very quick little bit in 91. She played seven-year-old Annie in Father of the Bride, the daughter of Steve Martin. And, oh, wow, she was, oh, okay, she was in an episode of Roseanne. Uh, I think it might have been a Christmas episode. So, alright. So, out of the three kids, it seems like Christopher Castle, nothing against Sarah Rose Carr, but it seems like the two older kids were the ones that got jumped into the, um, the television series that were successful that, you know, lasted for at least seven, eight seasons or longer. So, um, 
the couple bad guys we got here, we got quite a few. We got Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci. Um, Oliver, Oliver, Oliver Platt, I cannot speak today. Uh, Lake Placid, he's been in quite a few things. Quite, uh, oh, he was in uh, a little bit of the Modern Family. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Let's see. Oh, he still, he still is, oh, he's a, a regular on this Chicago Med show. Alright, cool. He was in, um, Professor Marsden and the Wonder Women. I don't know what that is. Um, let me see anything that he's got, uh, lengthy. Two episodes of Modern Family, um, Chicago PD. I'm just trying to see what else he had done, like, earlier. Like, that would have made him relevant when he starred in the movie Beethoven. Um, he, he was in a movie called Flatliners before Beethoven. Um, after that, he was in Indecent Proposal, Three Musketeers. They had, uh, Chris O'Donnell. Uh, Simon Birch. Simon Birch came out in 98 that was such a good movie such a good movie i loved it made me ball my eyes out i think i might have that somewhere i'm maybe maybe i might okay uh stanley tucci this guy's been around he's been doing some movies he he's got 130 oh he's got like six other things coming up um wow uh, I remember him, uh, Lovely Bones. He was also in the Hunger Games movies. Um, he's done, he's doing some voice work. Um, but yeah, I think he's in a Captain America movie. Let's see. But, um, uh, Patricia Heaton. Everybody loves Raymond. She played Deborah. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, David Duchovny of the X-Files fame. Now, was he on the X-Files? I'm going to look this up. If he was on the X-Files when this show was... Because this came out in 92. I'm just trying to remember when exactly did the X-Files... Okay, that... Okay, I know that the X-Files was on before <laughs> 1998. That Oh, that's a movie that came out in 98. Oh, he's in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Okay, seriously, where is the X-Files? Eek the Cat. Loved that show. Frasier. Seriously, where is the X-Files? I know I was young when it came on because the theme music scared the shit out of me. I remember that first episode, too. Scared the shit out of me. Oh, for fuck's sake. Seriously? Hold on. I'm going to pause this while I look. This is probably boring the hell out of you guys right now. <sighs> I found it, but I don't know why the hell it didn't pop up on David Duchovny. I mean, we got the movie that came out in 98. We got the video game and the other, the one that came out in 2018. But okay, so yeah, so it came out. He started on X-Files a year after. Um... One kid who, if you've seen, if like I said, if you're a 90s kid, you've seen Rookie of the Year, right? All the 90s sports movies. The kid with the spiky blonde hair who also was in all those McDonald's Big Mac commercials because that's what I kind of knew the guy from. Yeah, he's a, he plays a bully. He does not have a name. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt of uh, 10 Things I Hate About You and Third Rock from the Sun has a blink and you miss him. Can't, uh... 
spot where the kids are getting Ted's uh, hiding from the bullies and the kids are getting on the bus if you uh, see him. We do have an R.I.P. here with Laurel Cronin who plays Devonia Davinia Pete who is the babysitter um oh 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 my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh um so this movie came out in uh, April of 92 this woman passed away at the age of 53 in October of 92 oh but the reason I gasped I'm like <gasps> she was in Hook the movie Hook with Robin Williams she played Liza she's like a housekeeper or something or, um, oh, remember the show Baby Talk? It was like, um, a TV spinoff thing of the Look Who's Talking movies. I remember that, but. Alright, let's get into some trivia real quick. Um, I think at the end of when I'm done covering the movie, I might get into some of these, um, user reviews. And I'm, guys, I'm sorry if I say um a lot. It's just what I do sometimes. Trivia, here you are. Uh, Charles Grodin was 56 at the time of filming. Bonnie Hunt was only 29. So there is definitely a 20 plus age difference. Though no age difference between their characters is ever mentioned. Well, probably not. Eleanor Keaton, Buster Keaton's widow, trained the dog Beethoven for this movie. Steve Martin was the first choice to play George Newton, John Candy, Danny DeVito, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Jeff Goldblum, Rick Moranis, and Robin Williams were later considered for the... I don't know. Robin Williams, I mean, we've seen him play serious in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, but I, I don't... It'd be cute. Um, But, I mean, if they didn't have Charles, Charles Grown, I guess out of the ones that I could have went with... Um, because you gotta play, you know, annoyed, like, you don't want this dog around. Um, man, it's, it's tough, because a lot of these are, like, funny men. You know, you got your Danny DeVito, you got your John Candy, you got your Bill Murray, maybe, mm, Dan Aykroyd, maybe, I guess, out, out of all of them, maybe. I mean, not that Robin Williams can't play serious, but... Oh, this does say jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt's film debut. He is the kid on the right wearing a green top who gets on the bus while Ted hides behind a tree before getting on the bus. So if you watch the movie, look for that scene. Let's see. Okay, here's where I kind of... Okay. Screenwriter John Hughes is credited as Edmund Dantes. The pseudonym is a homage to a character in The Count of Monte Cristo. Cristo, not Co. This film is one of the only few written by Hughes that take place outside of Illinois. Oh, this is cute. Dean Jones, who played the evil vet in this movie, voiced George Newton, played by Charles Grodin in the movie. In the short-lived Beethoven cartoon. Does anyone remember the Beethoven cartoon? I think you can find episodes on YouTube. So this is interesting. The St. Bernard named Beethoven is owned by the Newton family. Sir Isaac Newton and Ludwig van Beethoven were lifelong bachelors. Newton died in March 1727, while Beethoven died in March 1827. That's a hundred years apart. How the hell? Seriously? Oh, they're lifelong bachelor. Oh, I thought it meant like they were lifelong friends. Like, how the hell does that work? 
Uh, looks like Chevy Chase, Tom Hanks, John Goodman, and Martin Short were considered for George Newton. Now, Tom Hanks, prior to this, we've seen him up act opposite a dog in Turner and Hooch, which he did amazing at, so... Oh, gosh. Chevy Chase, John Goodman, and Martin, Martin Short. Hmm. Oh, here's one for all you ALF fans out there. Max Wright, who played Willie Tanner, he was actually considered for the role of Dr. Varnick. Now, I could see that. If you watch ALF, just look how Willie gets so angry with ALF all the time that it's almost comedic, but um, I could see it. I could see it. You know, I think I'm going to get into the movie now and just kind of um, save some of the stuff like soundtrack, crazy credits, goofs for the end of the movie. We got two taglines here. One is, he'll grow on you because he's a St. Bernard. And the head of the family is the one with the tail. I like the second one better. I think it's just cute. Alright, one last thing here. We got opening weekend, 7,587,565. Grossed, 147,214,049 dollars. Way to go, Beethoven. The movie and the dog. <laughs> well, the dog's name, I don't in real life, I don't think is Beethoven, but still. Even though we're a ways off from October, I just thought... I'm gonna I'm gonna do Cujo. I am going to review Cujo. Granted I have it on Blu-ray, so how the hell is that gonna work? Um and I'm thinking the good son with Macaulay Culkin, because I got a story about that. Um Yeah, my grandma took me to see this movie and I absolutely like I said, I fell in love with it. And ever since part of me is I mean, between me saying how much I want a golden retriever, I would love to get a Saint Bernard too, but <laughs> Yeah, I'm always, every single morning I wake up, I go to YouTube, I'm like, okay, look up, I got a puppy. And I do that, like, on a daily basis. I know I don't mean to hurt Quinn or London or Liesl's feelings and stuff, but I, I, I want to get a puppy one day. I still, that's my dream. I'm not knocking my other pets, but. Alright guys, I've spoken enough. Let's do this. Let's get into Beethoven. I'm going to have a fun time. I hope you guys are going to have a fun time. This is going to be great. I need this. I just, after this this week and everything, that I just, I need this. I need to just lose myself in this movie and just, yeah. Alright. Starting out the movie, we get the old Universal logo and luckily the movie's got subtitles so that's awesome so the start of the movie it opens up it's very very ominous you get this um really it's a dark rainy night it's gloomy we get this ominous kind of not spooky but just you know that something good is not happening going to happen um it's a building that we see that says dandy pup pet supply <laughs> there, clearly this building looks like it might be abandoned so it looks like uh someone has set up shop with a bunch of cages with dogs uh the first people we see on the screen are stanley tucci's character and oliver platt they are lugging a cage with a dog inside of it and i guess it's really heavy so, clearly these guys, they're not getting paid the greatest, but they 
need jobs, which they can't do the honest way. Anyway, um, and this poor dog! They're like, here, hurry, hurry, hurry! And, uh, the big guy, Oliver Platt's character, is like, careful, careful, easy, you're going too fast. And Stanley Tucci just throws his hands up, and the cage with the dog drops to the ground. It's like, ah, you did that on purpose! You dropped the cage on my foot! And this is where Dean Jones, the evil veterinarian, pops up in a window, looks at them, and says, I need puppies. So this facility is clearly, it's some form of animal testing. Um, Oliver Platt has got a major lisp. <laughs> I don't know if he, he's had that all this, but anyway. Um, but yeah, Dean Jones, you only see like his eyes kind of lit up and he's backlit with like kind of smoke in the background but that is all you really see of him like the rest of him except for his eyes and glasses is completely in shadow so I think that's just to um because you're not gonna see this man until quite a bit later that you're like oh that's the guy I recognize the voice so Stanley Tucci's like puppies right gotcha all right Oliver Platt let's go Oh, there's the guy's, like, in an office. Oh, okay, so we do get a kind of faraway shot of Dean Jones kind of leaning his hands up against the window frame here. These poor dogs, they're probably people's pets. They probably kidnapped them out of their backyards. Some of these dogs are hooked up to, like, medical equipment. Oh, that dog looks like Lady from Lady and the Tramp. There's a Cocker Spaniel. One dog looks like the dog from the Dennis and the Menace movie that hadn't been made yet. Alright, so now we jump to a very nice suburban t small town. Sun's out. It's bright. It's almost an idyllic, like, Leave it to Beaverish type town. You got... You know, shopkeepers are sweeping out their storefronts and sweeping the sidewalk and everything, making stuff look nice. So it's the start of a new day. We get a shot of a clock. It's just after 6 a.m. The sun is out and shining. So we see a barber shop. We see an old-timey toy store where the you get uh, a shot of a toy train going around in a display window. This one guy is bringing out these radio flyer wagons. Alright, now we get to the good stuff. We get to the pet store and we get this really nice looking guy. That guy looks like Kevin James. I'm sure it's not Kevin James, but it kind of looks like him. <laughs> and the wife has got her hand to her heart like, oh! Look, he's so cute! Like, who? And we're all like, who is? We have not gotten a title card yet for this movie. But we do get the cast coming up. We get Charles Grown and... I love how this couple, they're looking at this puppy who we flashed to, the St. Bernard. And then another lady kind of appears in the same shot. Like, oh, look at the puppy. There is no food, no water in this little cage. It's not even really a cage. It's more like um a glass box that's set up to um, let people, onlookers outside on the sidewalk, kind of glimpse at the puppy. There's nothing here for this poor puppy. Feed the puppies. Give them water. This They must have, like, just cleaned the cage because there's no shit and no piss, like, on this 
sawdust pine bedding. But now an older lady on the uh, side of the lay, um, the married couple there, they're all like, oh, look at this puppy, this St. Bernard, it's so adorable. And that's when we get the uh, red and gold title card of Beethoven. So now we know, okay, this dog is going to be the title character, Beethoven, later on. Now we get a shot from inside Beethoven's little display case here as we got some preteen boys coming around on a skateboard. They're like, oh, look, hey, hi, hi, puppy. Beethoven, let me say, this puppy, he knows how to work the camera. He knows how to use his cuteness, which is to the max. He's got full throttle cuteness going on right now. He's like, look at me, roll around. Aren't I cute? So aside from Beethoven, we do get shots of other puppies. Um, This, what looks like maybe a, a guy and maybe a girlfriend are looking at these long-haired dachshunds. We get a shot of these little golden retriever puppies right next door. And they're like, pet me, pet me. Pay attention to me. Take me home. Aww. And poor Beethoven sitting there like, well, I had a group of people looking at me a moment ago. Where'd they go? Poor guy. And yeah, the golden retriever puppy is like goes up to the couple that its K uh display case is right next to the long haired dachshund puppies. And the guy with the glasses there does, like, show the puppy some love. Like, show him some love. Aww. Are these, like, little baby, like, chihuahua wire terrier looking puppies? Maybe they're long-haired chihuahuas. Oh, this kid just reaches right in and picks up a puppy. And you can definitely tell it's a 90s film just by what the kid is wearing. It's not neon, but it is, like, a gray light blue uh, faded striped shirt. But he's got that JTT like hair where it's kind of parted in the middle. So this little girl is looking in the display case from the sidewalk and like, hi puppy. And this is when um, all the, most of the other cast names have popped up like Charles Grodin, Bonnie Hunt, Dean Jones, and so on and so forth. Now we get uh, the kids, Nicole Tom, Christopher Castile, Sarah Rose Carr, their names are popping up. And it's sad how the mother like is like, no, we are not getting a puppy, sweetie. We need to go right now. Yeah, she's like, no, absolutely not. Like, she was just looking at the puppy. She wasn't like saying like, let's get it. But that's probably the start. Like, you look at the puppy, you start buggy mom. I want a dog. Like, your dad will never allow it. Oh, here we go. Big bad biker chick. <laughs> um, when she pulls into uh, the screenshot here, we get a shot from like the bottom of her motor, top, the front of her motorcycle wheel upward. And we get David Duchovny, Patricia Heaton, and Laurel Cronin, which maybe this is Laurel Cronin. So we get this lady sh- um, shot from inside of Beethoven's enclosure and she's like bending down like staring right at the dog and she's like kind of squinting like she's trying to like mentally picture in her head like how big the dog is gonna get she's like 
hmm, how big's he gonna be? And the saleswoman's like, oh, well, St. Bernard's usually get to be about 150 pounds. And the woman's like, well, I got a junkyard. I need a big, mean junkyard dog. And she's like, here, let me see the dog. And the lady is a little hesitant, like, oh, I don't know. I would be a little uncomfortable, like, what are you planning on doing with this dog? Because I'm sure, like, the pet store has a right... They can refuse um, service to anyone they feel like has negative intentions for any of these puppies. Like, I don't... Like, you can tell this woman has no good plans for this dog. So, the way that she's holding Beethoven just under his front armpits... You know, and she's holding him outward, like, away from her body. It's like, you know this dog is going to piss all over her. She's like, he looks good and mean. And the sales girl's like, I don't know, he's pretty sweet. And then the biker lady looks at the sales girl and says, you can make any dog mean. And Beethoven, right then, boom, pisses all over her jacket. And the minute that woman says, you can make any dog mean... The girl looks, the saleswoman looks at her like, uh, but luckily Beethoven pisses all over her. So the lady's like, hey, damn little beast, as the saleswoman takes Beethoven from the woman, puts the dog back in the enclosure, and she's smiling the whole time, like, yes, Beethoven, good on you. I mean, that's not his name, but we're going to call him Beethoven, because that's what his name will be eventually. What kind of biker chick is this? She's got a nose ring and her hair is all teased and wild. But it's like, I don't think a real biker chick is going to get a shit if a dog pisses on her. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but she just seems like she would be tough enough like, oh, fuck, you pissed on me. Okay. But she's like, oh, you got any pit bulls? Uh, lady, I've been like, I am not selling you any dogs. In fact, I want you to leave before I report you to animal control. So now it goes back to being an ominous night. It's nighttime. The store is closed. The puppies are just kind of hanging out and resting. So definitely we can tell the difference between Oliver Plath's character, who is a bit bigger and tall, just a little bit taller than Stanley Tucci. He is more of the sensitive type, like, hey, I'm not sure we should be doing this, where Stanley Tucci is just all about, let's get it done, let's break into this this pet store. Boom! Bashes the door, The it's a glass door, and he just bashes the window pane right next to the doorknob so he, you know, open the door. And the whole time Oliver, Oliver Platt is like, Platt, not Plath is like, hey, what about the alarm? And Stanley Tucci kind of bends down and we see one of those laser beams. And he's, of course, smoking a cigarette, Stanley Tucci is, and he kind of like blows his smoke just at the, the beam and it doesn't do anything. So he says, all we need to do is just step over this simultaneously at the same time, very carefully, and we're good to go. That's the only thing that's going to set this off, is if we step in the beam. Step, just step over it. So Oliver Plath is being very gentle with the puppies. Like, hey, puppy is here. Let's go in a car ride. Mind you, this whole place is really, really dark. It's, there's The only real light that seemed to be coming from it would be the aquariums that are set up with their lights. And Oliver, Oliver 
plaid, it's just taking like, oh, the little golden retriever puppy, then you got the little uh, mini baby whiter terriers, who he's also putting in, all these puppies in this one little basket. Now, I don't think he brought that basket in with him. So what is that basket just for people like, oh, to chop around? Like, if I want more than one puppy, just stick them in here. <laughs> oh, they both have baskets. I wonder if they brought them with them. Anyway, um, Oliver Platt steps in the beam with a basket of puppies. And he's just like, I've stepped in the beam. And Stanley Tucci is like, fuck, what if I get stuck working with you? He pulls out, uh, Stanley Tucci pulls out Beethoven, and they both carry the baskets to the truck that they have sitting right there. So no, the alarm sounds, the police have been called, they're on their way, so they're like, we gotta move, we gotta get the hell out of here. And mind you, this is in the business, in the business section of, you know, downtown, which it's not a huge downtown, it's probably like more of a small town downtown. And all the businesses are closed, so everyone's home. There's no witnesses whatsoever. Mind you, this whole time, we got a, still got a lot of credits rolling through as Stanley Tucci starts pulling away from the curb from the store. Oliver Platt is putting the puppies in the cages that they have in this van. And then he's like, oh, whew, everything's good. And he starts hugging... Stanley Tucci, because he's all emotional, like, oh, this is, I committed a lot of misdemeanors before, but this is my very first felony. And he starts hugging Stanley Tucci, who gets distracted, hits a curb, and we meet one of the other dogs, who will come into play later on in the movie. We'll see him again. He does not have a name. I think maybe in the book his name is Sparky. Um, he's like a Jack Russell Terrier, like, almost like a wishbone-type dog. Um, and he sees little puppy Beethoven. He picks this one dog to free. Like, I'm going to help you get out of here. And then together, you and me are going to get out of this van and get to safety. The other puppies are, well, I don't know what's going to happen to them. But he was able to at least save Beethoven. And the commotion of the dogs, uh, Beethoven being let out, because all the other dogs are like, well, we want to be let out too. And you see Sparky is like pulling at the chain on the back door that has the, the doors latched. He opens them up and we see <laughs> Oliver Plath has to look like, what's going on? The dogs are all acting crazy and everything. And he goes, and he's trying to get, there's a cage like on the top level that has been lodged. So it makes it really hard for Oliver Plath to get free to get to the dogs as he sees Sparky you know the car the van is not going that fast it's maybe going five miles an hour if that well maybe 10 or 15 I don't know um Sparky has no problems getting down and then Beethoven you can see the road and the dog from the dog's point of view is looking like wow this is kind of fast but he manages to hop off and Oliver Platt alerts Stanley Tucci, says, hey, stop the van, the dogs are getting out. And Stanley Tucci, you see this man is wearing snakeskin boots and hightailing it after Sparky. It's like, I'll give you a bone, I'll give you a bone. And the dog is like, boom, like miles ahead of him. He does not even see Beethoven, who has managed to find safety in a garbage can, a metal garbage can. All right, now it's morning time because um, Beethoven takes one long look after Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt leave with the van. 
They take one long look at each other, Sparky and Beethoven. It's almost like, I'll see you again. I'll see you soon. Thank you for saving my life. And we get the garbage man who kind of rustles, you know, he's picking up the garbage and everything and that kind of wakes up Beethoven. So he starts wandering down the sidewalk and we get a couple things. We get a gardener who is using a leaf blower and startles Beethoven. We get a white cat that's just chilling by the fence line that like goes Meow! and Beethoven, you know, little puppy Beethoven's like, whoa, and he just keeps walking. We get to the Newton house, and we see this lawn is very, very pristine. Nothing is just all out on the lawn. The, you know, the toys are not on the lawn. Everything's picked up. Very neat and tidy. We can gain this just by looking at his front lawn. Um, the paper boy comes and does not give a fuck. He's in a hurry. Throws the paper, which not so much disintegrates, but separate all the pages like separate from each other. So now they're scattered all over his lawn, which he now has to pick. George has to pick up. And I'm thinking about this, the sequel. He's got a thing with the paperboy as far as they have a little repertoire with each other, like a little routine with the baseball thing. But that's in the sequel. We'll get to that later. <laughs> and Beethoven is in the bushes kind of watching George pick up these papers. Like, hmm, what about this guy? He looks like uh, someone I could live with. So Beethoven crosses the lawn as George heads up his walkway into his house. Beethoven is like hot on his heels. The guy does not, he is not the wiser. He's looking at his paper as he's walking inside. And he goes into the house as Beethoven is right behind him, just walks right in after him. And he's like, all right, it's 7 a.m. Up and at him, kids. It's a, Wheeler, it's a Saturday. Are you kidding me? Who the fuck wakes their kids up on a Saturday at 7 in the morning? These kids gotta wake up Monday through Friday, probably before 7 o'clock. Let them sleep in. That's the thing. When I was in school and everything, Saturday was my day to sleep in. Granted, I probably only slept until like 8.30 or whatever, but even still. But then, of course, you had church on Sundays. We always went to the 8 o'clock mass, so you had to be up around 7 to get there in time. I love how when Beethoven's following George up the walkway, we get a shot from behind Beethoven as it's almost like a semi-dog's POV because it's shot from the ground. And it just, it's really, really cute. So, oh, George says 7 a.m. up and at him. And he hasn't even shut the front door yet. As Beethoven is making his way up the carpeted staircase. And George is still just looking at it. Looking down at his paper. He's not hearing or seeing anything. This dog just slipped in and slipped right by him. And is making his way up the stairs with hardly any difficulty. I mean, I bet anything, if those stairs weren't carpeted, he might it might be a little slick for his little puppy paws. All right, so we get Beethoven's POV as we go to the first room. And it's the master bedroom, George and his wife, Alice. George is already up. Alice has just woken up, and she gets ready to step out of bed before she realizes she is about to step on her, what, maybe 10-year-old son, Ted, who's played by Christopher Castle from Step by Step, played Mark. And I guess he's been having bad dreams, so he's been sleeping on the floor. Good. Sleeping bag on the floor is a good idea. You don't need to be sleeping in the bed with mom and dad. I like how they have, like, a little um, armchair recliner. Like, that master bedroom is big enough for that. 
And Beethoven, we actually get a shot from underneath the bed and we see Ted there as the mom goes to step down. Like, oh! <laughs> it's like you almost stepped on your son's chest. She didn't even look when she put her foot down. She's like, oh! <laughs> Maybe he should have slept, like, in front of the foot of the bed? That might have been a better idea. Maybe he needed to be, the, you know, close, you know, proximity to his mom and dad. Apparently sleeping on the floor did not hurt work because he had another nightmare. Well, oh, I like the, um, that he's got the NFL sheet, uh, pillow there. That's cool. So Ted is, I wouldn't really call him a nerd. I mean, he does have glasses. He's got a, um, digital watch. He's like, mom, it's 7.02 on a Saturday. Do we really have to get up? And she's like, yeah, you heard your dad. You gotta get up. It's like, this is routine at this point. It's gotta be routine. They go through this every Saturday. So, Alice is like, I know, Daddy's rules. So, we learned that not only does George have a pristine lawn, he likes to keep a pristine house, he also has rules in place for his family on what, like, he's all about a schedule, which... He will get more into that schedule in a, in a bit once Beethoven um, integrates with the family and everything like that. And George has got a specific... Would you even call him go so far to maybe label that as semi-OCD-ish a little bit? Alright, well, Beethoven's done investigating that room. He's going to move on to the next room, which houses teenage eldest daughter, oldest child, Rice, who is, I think, 12. So if she's 12, Ted has got to be maybe about 10, because it looks like he's, like, in junior, maybe, like, sixth, fifth, sixth grade. And then, of course, we'll meet Emily, who's, like, five or six years old. So as soon as Beethoven crosses the threshold into Rice's room, boom, comforter, blanket, falls right on top of him. She doesn't even see him. So she comes around the other side of the bed as the comforter, like, falls on Beethoven. It's like, did she rip the cover off as she was walking away from her bed? But she's like, that's it. I'm not going to take it anymore. So she's got a beef with her dad. She's going to, like, take that out on her mom. Like, Mom, I got a newsflash. It's Saturday. And Maurice is like, er... Alice is like, honey, I know that, but this is your dad here. Like, what do you want me to do? And of course, at that instance, oh, she's like, this sucks. And of course, she rises up. <laughs> Alice is like, honey, I get that, okay? I, I can't do anything about it. And both Ted and Rice look at each other for a split second, like, boom, bathroom's mine. And <laughs> I think Ted gets in there first. It's, seriously, okay, honestly, I'm asking this. I'm curious. This has got to be new. This is going to be the first time they've ever done this because the kids are reacting this way. Like, it's the first time this has ever happened to them. Because you wouldn't be doing this, if you, this were a regular thing every Saturday that they get up at 7, I think eventually they would stop complaining about it and just get used to it being the norm. And we see poor Beethoven trying to, he's struggling to get out underneath. And it's not a thick comforter, it's more like a light, um, like quilt almost. And he's like, eh, 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 I'm trying to get out from under this thing before it suffocates me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're left to see Rice beating on the door, calling her brother a wimp. It's like, yeah, he, he beat her there. 
as we see Beethoven is now walking the hallway and now he's going to enter little Emily's room. This is so cute. And apparently Emily's room is like right next. It's like adjoined with the bathroom. So there's like two doors to the bathroom. Beethoven climbs right up there. It's like she's got these steps that lead up to her bed and he just jumps up there and just starts licking Emily's face and she's like, hi puppy. Oh, he found his person. Well, he loves all of them equally, especially George. <laughs> but he, yeah, she is the, f Emily's the first one that sees this puppy. <laughs> so, Rice manages to get into the bathroom and both she and Ted, like, run right into Emily's room? How, hold on. Okay, let me see. <laughs> So the door was open. Was he planning on, like, her pushing on the door, him opening it, and then her running out into Emily's room? I don't know. But both of them skid to a stop as they see this puppy in Emily's bed. And even Alice comes in and is like, what? Oh, my. And oh, it's so cute. Emily's like, hey, Mom, I dreamt I had a puppy and it came true. And both Ted and Rice look at each other in, like, amazement. And even Alice does, like, they're like, her dad? Dad doesn't like animals. That's why we don't even have a dog or a cat. But the family races down there. And um, George is already at the breakfast table reading the paper as Alice comes in. And she comes in. Surprise! As he ki as she kisses him and says, "Oh, honey, I take back everything I said about you being cold and insensitive." And he's looking at her with this bewildered look, like, "What?" And it doesn't help that Rice and Ted both come in and say similar things. Like Ted's even like kind of like arm punches his dad, like, "Dad, I owe everything I ever wanted. I owe you big time. I have everything I could ever want." Oh, Ted says, I have everything I ever wanted. I owe you big time. And George is still a little confused. Like, what? And this is when Emily comes in carrying the puppy. Like, Daddy, can I call him Fred? <laughs> and we get a Zoom cut smash to George's horrified face. As the music kind of, tempo kind of picks up like this... Like, the, one of the worst things that he could ever imagine coming into his house. Now, of course, you have a, f a house with multiple children. What is the one thing you bring a puppy into your house? What's the one thing is going to happen if you have more than one kid? They're going to fight. Who gets to hold them? It's my turn. No, you've had them long enough. Let me hold the puppy now. I mean, I've been... Around my, my cousins, when they got a puppy and stuff like that, and they would fight like, let me hold him. No, me. No, you've had enough with him. My turn. <laughs> and of course, I love Emily's argument. It's like, I saw him first, though. <laughs> like, I know you did, but let the other two have a, a turn with him. Because we see Ted walking out, and he's carrying the puppy. George is watching all of this from... The kitchen, as he's saying, we can't have a dog. We can't have a dog. And Alice, of course, is thinking, like, George, this is, you know, he set this whole thing up. He gave, like, honey, you can't show a child a puppy and take it away two minutes later. And George's like, I didn't show her up. I didn't give that dog to her. 
And he tells Alice, like, you occupy the children, I will run it down to the pound. And she tells him, no, if you take it there, the dog is going to be destroyed. And in George's case, is like, but if we keep it, the house is going to be destroyed. And Alice's argument is like, honey, a lot of people have dogs. A lot of people. And George kind of tells Alice, like, honey, not people like me. No, 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 no. Dogs lick, they drool, they scratch. And then he's like, they have parasites. Like, they could get parasites, yes, if you don't take it to the vet on a regular occasion, if you don't bathe it. Yes, it could get parasites and it could die. That's why you take it to the vet, you give it the shots that it needs. Which I'm kind of even thinking... Does that pet shop have insurance, like, for something like that? I mean, I'm sure they don't, the business doesn't think, well, what if somebody broke in and stole all these purebred puppies? They might. They might have the, I don't know. The while that they're kind of having this semi-argument here, <laughs> it's, um, she is, Alice is making a really big pot of oatmeal. Um, oh, George does say, like, I didn't show a child a puppy, it's obviously lost. But when he says, Alice, they have par parasites, and she looks at him like, oh, yeah, that's right, they do, don't they? Now George's argument is, is the kids will lose interest, it'll grow to be enormous, I'll have to take care of it, the bushes, it's going to ruin the yard, piss all over the yard, the bushes are going to die, when the dog finally settles down and gets old, it'll die, the kids will be upset, we'll have to go out and get another dog, and then the whole cycle will reverse in itself. It's like, when the dog finally settles down, it'll die. Damn, you are a morbid man, George. And he looks at her like, and eh, 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 do you understand? And she's like, no, honey, can you please be more specific? And he looks at her and like, honey, I really need your support on this. And they hug and she tells him, it's like, all right, you have to tell the kids. As they both look out the window at the backyard and the kids are just loving on the puppy. It's like, you're going to break their little hearts. They have a very nice a pretty decently sized backyard for the suburbs. It's fenced in. You do have some landscaping going on there. Yeah. They're playing with the puppy, getting the puppy to chase them and follow them around as George and Alice kind of head out there and he's kind of looking at her like, look, I can't, I can't do this. I can't break their hearts, but I have to. <laughs> so he's like, hey kids, how you doing? And of course, Emily starts right in with, Daddy, can the puppy sleep in my room? And then <laughs> Ted's like, no, he's sleeping in my room. And Rice is like, no, I'm the oldest, he's sleeping in my, in my room. And <laughs> George is like, no, he's not sleeping in anyone's room. All right, just, just chill out for a second here. I want to speak candidly on this. He explains to him that it's like, we're ant farm people, we're goldfish people, because we do see a goldfish later, I don't know about an ant farm. It's like, we are not dog people. Like, you may not be a dog person, but everyone else in your family clearly is. So I like Rice's stance on here. She holds the puppy, she starts kind of yelling at her dad, like, Dad, why don't you just give us a chance? You're always talking about how we need more responsibility, right? And even Ted backs her up, like, well, yeah, that's true. You do say that. And George just kind of looks at Alice, back at Alice, like, 
And she looked at him and was like, what do you want me to do, honey? This is your argument here that you're having with the kids. You're the only one in this family that does not want this dog here. She is not going to back him up as George just puts his foot down like, hey, it's my choice. It's my decision. And Rice just glares at her father like, I knew it. And then George, like, looks at little Emily, who's got her bottom lip kind of sticking out, like, and he's like, you you better think of something to call it. When I come home and it destroys my house, I want to know what to call him. So now we move on to later that evening. We're in the living room. The family settled down. Um, Alice is rumpling some papers, kind of stirring them around in a baseball cap. They're trying to decide what the puppy's name should be. And of course, total 90s, you are going to get some names that are so, so 90s because this is uh, 1992. <laughs> I love as a kid when he says you guys can keep the puppy. The kids just rush to him and he picks up Emily who just starts kissing on George's face. And he's trying to get out like, hey, this is just temporary. This is just temporary till we find the owner. Like, it's not temporary. And so George and Alice are on the couch. George really wants no part in this dog naming ceremony. Ted and Rice. Rice is actually holding the puppy. And they're on the floor by the coffee table. Meanwhile, Emily is over by... She's sitting on the piano bench and they're all like what is it what's his name gonna be and then they add you can't change it that's the rules of course the first name we don't hear what it is as Alice turns to Emily who's at the piano and says Emily honey did you draw this in a crayon and Emily's like yep <laughs> she's like well I don't think words for parts of the body make very good names and Emily turns and says, well, that's what you call Uncle Richard, who, of course, anybody can know what is short for Richard, Dick. And Alice's defense is like, I don't think Daddy wants to stand on the front porch at night yelling that out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, a little adult humor. And um, <laughs> so she goes to the next name in the hat. So, Alice pulls out the next name, looks at it, rolls her eyes, and turns to George, like, turns her head, like, what the fuck? Are you serious? What is this? And he just looks at her, like, you asked for my input. And the, and Emily and or, or, um, Ted and Rice are all like, what? What is it? And Alice doesn't even respond. She just crumples it up, like, mm-mm. It's like, hey, you asked for my input. What, what do you think that he wrote, like dumbass or something like that like fart butt or something stupid like that <laughs> and Alice is like just just nothing let's just call the dog Rover no that is such a who calls her dog Rover that is like a 1930s dog name yeah. okay I gotta give the, probably the 30s credit they probably came up with better names than Rover so they're like, Mom, please, really? So we get MC Hammer and Ultimate Warrior because MC Hammer, the singer, and then, or, um, rapper? Rapper? Ultimate Warrior, of course, with the wrestling. Like, literally. <laughs> and Alice is like, MC Hammer. 
say, no, no, we're calling Rover. And of course, Emily finally turns around to the respondent and says, he doesn't like any of those names. Well, who would? And Rice is like, really? Like, you can really read his mind. And then Emily's like, he'll tell us what he wants to be called. As he, she starts playing the tune to, is it Beethoven's Ninth, I think? The dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. And the, and the puppy is sitting on the bench with Emily and starts barking out the tune along with her. And he just kind of goes into the kitchen. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter what you call the stupid dog. It's not going to care. It doesn't know what the hell its name is. Like, yeah, right. My hamster knows what her name is. My rabbit knows what her, his name is. And my cat knows what her name is. Don't you, Quinny? Are you okay? You're not gonna cough up a hairball, are you, baby? Are you okay? Okay. She's fine. <laughs> he said you could call him Ding Dong Head and he wanted to know the difference. And Emily is all like, yes, he would. And then George is like, oh, Beethoven. And cue the montage. We get a picture of the musical composer Beethoven. Like, yep, with the rollover Beethoven song cues up. Oh, I love that their kitchen table has the goldfish bowl. It's almost like makes me think of, you know how they have those beta fishes, like in the swimming in that little, the, the vase with the stones and stuff? Kind of like that. Like, oh, I can eat my breakfast and I can stare at the fish wandering around its bowl. I gotta kind of wonder, though, if a fish in a, in a fishbowl probably wouldn't last longer than, say, if one was in an aquarium, right? So we got the montage here. We have George, who is... Those things are gonna get wet and gross. We're gonna see that later. Um, he's putting up found St. Bernard puppy called 555-3678. It's a nice... It's a basic lost and found poster... With um, a black and white picture of the dog puppy on it. Oh, I love that little ant that crawls across the page as he is stapling it into the tree. That is going to get ripped out. Doesn't it? Wouldn't it make more sense, like, if, say, if you put it in, like, those, like, plastic, like, sleeves and then staple it? So maybe it might have some protection against the weather? Because just on that street alone, he's got, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, I think there's one down there, 14. So just on that side, on that block alone, he's got close to, like, 20 plus. And they clearly live in California because those are all, like, palm trees. Uh, some more of the montage here. We got the kids in the backyard with Beethoven. So it's a puppy saying, they're like, roll over, come on, boy, roll over. Now we get the classic scene where George is in the doorway to the outside. We have a puppy gate up. We got newspapers spread all over for Beethoven to, you know, pee and poo on. And he decides, why is George's briefcase on the floor and open, by the way? Where Beethoven, of course, takes a leak. And George is, like, bent over and looking through his own legs at the dog peeing in his briefcase. So now we move later on 
I guess it's probably to that evening. And the kids are like eating popcorn, playing with Beethoven in front of the fireplace while George is in the other room scrubbing that shit stain that Beethoven left in the carpet in the other room. So we'll learn later what George does for a living, but by far, he makes a must make a good deal of money. I mean, they live in California. They got a nice house, a big yard. They're able to get this dog run for the dog to run back and forth. They have a really nice big doghouse for when the dog gets big enough. And the doghouse has Beethoven written on the front of it as George places the dog in the doghouse. And I love how he like before George backs out of uh, the dog enclosure he gives Beethoven like a salute like here you go. Good luck to you. So Beethoven, little Beethoven hops out of his doghouse and goes over to the chain lake fence door and starts to chew on it. Now we have Beethoven. It looks like he's maybe about, uh, they've had Beethoven for maybe a couple months. So he's like now four months instead of eight weeks old. And he's on the kitchen table drinking out of the goldfish bowl. And <laughs> the table is set for like dinner because there's plates, glasses, silverware, napkins, and George comes in. He's dressed up in a suit and he grabs the dog like by the front legs right under the armpits and just pulls him off the table. Now we get to see some of the destruction other than shitting on the rug or in peeing in George's briefcase. We get Beethoven scratching at the, um, the door frame there. We get the continuation of the kids trying to teach Beethoven, now four months old, to roll over. So I'm guessing they're kind of chronicling like the first full year with the, the dog. We also get Beethoven sitting in a chair and George has got the dust buster and he is using it on all the hair that the dog is leaving. It's like they're not training this dog like at all. But then again, this is probably typical dog behavior. You have a dog, it's gonna shed. It's gonna like chew on things. It's going to like destroy door frames and everything like that. We do get a timestamp here. It looks like it's Halloween because the kids are going trick-or-treating. I love Emily's outfit where she's dressed like a cowgirl and then Beethoven is like he's got like a little saddle on him. It's so adorable. Rice is dressed up as I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. I mean if this were like 2002 or 2001 I'd say she looks like um Mike from Monsters Inc but maybe it's a snake? We don't see Ted. Where's Ted? Did he not want to dress up? But this is just adorable. Alright, now we got another timestamp. We've moved on to Thanksgiving. I don't think we get Christmas in this movie. <laughs> the family's all bent down to pray. We do get a Thanksgiving turkey that's set up with, like, um, also the side dishes. We got salad. We got, you know, fruit. We got green bean casserole, which I love. And Beethoven now has got to be at least maybe six to eight months old at this point. Is He is bigger. He just starts licking on the turkey like no one's going to know because their eyes are shut and their heads are bowed. We get to see all the dog food. The large bags as the family comes in. We get the small bags with Emily and Ted. We get bigger bags with, you know, rice. And then we get this 
full six foot long bag that's as tall as George's. But I like what they're doing here as they're showing you just how much dog food they are going through. Alice not only bought, you know, a big bag of dog food. At one point she did have, like, the cans of the wet food. And I like that they're putting it into plastic containers to, like, maybe keep it fresh. So that way, you know, bugs don't get into it. Oh, it's a nice day. They're going um, on a bike ride. And George, of course, is stuck with towing Beethoven and one of those children carriers that you would probably put a couple little toddlers into but it's for the dog because of course you're going on a family outing you want is probably at emily's assistance like let's bring beethoven and george of course being uh the one that's going to be towing the dog along we see, so George is the one that seems to be picking up after the dog, walking the dog in the rain. We see that most of the signs that George put up on those um, those palm trees, they're all washed away except maybe one. So Beethoven finally learned how to roll over at one year of age. <laughs> Took him a bit, but he got it. As the kids all hug Beethoven, now in the next scene, of course, we got... Beethoven, he's been running through a mud puddle. His feet are all got paw prints on him as he walks through the the door into the kitchen. George's suit is covered in pa dirty paw prints. And I gotta kind of wonder about this scene. This almost seems like it's up and like made up in George's head just of how bad this has gotten. We got paw, dirty paw prints on the wall. We got a picture frame on the wall that's askew. We got drool and slobber as George's running his hand up the banister as he's walking up the stairs, just... And their bed, in the master bedroom, George and Alice's bed, is, like, covered in filth. And Beethoven is also covered in filth. And he is sopping wet as he starts to shake off on their bed, and you just see George is like, no, 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 it's slobber and wet drool just hits him like a tsunami wave. So the montage ends with a string of slobber that just hits the family photo frame on the nightstand. Now we get out of the montage. We are it's a typical morning during the day at during the week at the Newton's house. I like their house is shaped like a um almost barn shaped a little bit. Oh, they've trained Beethoven to get the mail as the mail lady like waves to him. Like this is their usual thing. Like, oh, I get to see the St. Bernard dog. So the whole time Beethoven takes the mail into the kitchen, uh, Alice is feeding the kids their breakfast with bacon, which I guess Rice does not really care for limp, lightly cooked bacon as she feeds it to Beethoven under the table. George is going on about, I guess he wanted money for like advertising for his air freshener business, you know, signs and other stuff like that. And whether they're saying like 25000 or something, which wasn't enough for him, and he figures like 150000 for advertising would be better. So while George is going on and on about all of this, we hear Ted in the background screaming to his mom, like, Mom, I can't find my shoes. And she's like, I don't know where they are, just backtrack. And he's like, Mom, will you just tell me where they are? And she says, they're behind the bathroom door. 
Why didn't you just say that to begin with? Why have him go through the process of Brett? I mean, how else is he going to learn if he doesn't backtrack? I get it. I get it. But So while George is continuing to go on, you know, the spiel, and Emily's just sitting like, Daddy, he wants, Beethoven's there. He wants you to pet him. And George is like, well, I don't want to pet him. Go away. And Emily's like, yeah, but he wants you to. And George tells her, like, honey, I know, but sometimes we don't get what we want. That's not the way the world works. So George is so desperate for this this deal here to, to, to go through for the advertising. He's like, if I don't get this, I'll kill myself. And Alice is right. He's like, honey, don't talk that way in front of the kids. Not to mention, I don't really think they could they could give a crap less about you talking about your business and everything. That has... Oh, we get some product placement with Life Cereal and what's the other? Uh, Captain Crunch. So Ted comes into the kitchen. He's like, hey, can I get karate lessons? And George is like, well, I didn't get any bacon. And looks at Ted like, what do you want karate lessons for? Ted's like, well, a friend that I have that's even littler than me has a green belt. I like George's uh, response. is like, well, why don't we just skip the lessons and get you the belt? So, we at this time don't know exactly why Ted wants karate lessons. So, Alice gives George the bacon, lays it on this little plate, kisses him, and then as George is distracted, Beethoven goes for a piece of bacon. George gets upset, grabs Beethoven by the face like he's going to be able to get that piece of bacon. I think he ate all of them because they're not there. There's, he just took one. Yeah, he took one piece. There are three total pieces. The dog took one, and then you look back at the plate, and now all of them are gone? That's continuity. But the way that George grabs Beethoven's face for a second there, that almost didn't look like a dog. It looked like a mechanical dog. Yeah, that was not Beethoven the dog. That was like a fake Beethoven, the way that he grabbed Beethoven's face like that. And even this here is is fake with this close-up on Beethoven's eyeballs are, like, bugging out of his head. Like, yeah, that's fake, too. But, I mean, him grabbing that piece of bacon, that's the real dog. So the dog slobbered all... Well, you grabbed him! You don't think you're gonna get slobbered when you grab at that dog's face like that? <laughs> of course, Emily's loving this. Like, hey, 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 you, gr <laughs> you pet the dog. George is, like, worried. Like, I got dog drool in my pants. I can't meet... It's called the Vanguard Capital... Like, I can't meet them with the dog drool on my pants. And Alice the whole time is like, just change your pants, dear. It's like, I'm going to change my pants, but I had a schedule and now it's gone. I'm never going to have that schedule again. So I'm guessing he had, like, um, an amount of time for him to get dressed and make sure he's all ready to go for work. Because he's always wanting to be on schedule. It's like, I can't be late. And now, like, that's ruined. It's like... Just change your damn pants. And we see him go upstairs. And then, of course, you see Alice's reaction as George throws the gross, soaked pants at him. Or at her. Alright, so we see Rice head off. Start. They, clearly, she walks to school. Okay, so this is the part where we see Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He is in the green shirt. He's got... Oh, a trapper keeper! And Ted is hiding behind a tree. So are these the other... Do all these kids bully him? Because these aren't the same bullies that we'll see later. So during that montage, I get... I 
totally missed it where Beethoven was digging at the back of his enclosure and he was able to create a hole big enough that he is able to get in and out and just go about his day. George is backing out of the car as Alice is out like watering, spraying uh, the flowers and the landscaping and everything. George of course has his window down and Alice goes to wave goodbye to him with the same hand that she's holding the hose with and it sprays right at him and he just takes his hands off the wheel like are you fucking kidding me with this right now? And she's like, oh, honey, I'm sorry, just, you know, use a Kleenex or something. So we get to see Beethoven on his daily routine here. He's just going to take a stroll into town. Beethoven's got a packed day. Like, he must do this on a daily basis because these people, like, all know him. Oh, he helps himself to um, an outdoor cafe. Uh, There's a table with some food on it. He stops by the fire department and gets a drink of water from the water hose. And... The guy says, easy buddy, save some for the fishes. I don't get that. I love how the Dalmatian fire dog, which is a typical fire dog, always Dalmatian, is just hanging out on the on the ground, just chilling nearby. Like, eh, I don't care about this other dog. He's no threat to me. Oh, he's sitting up the bakery. Good for it. He likes the sweets. As uh, the lady sees him and gets this giant glazed um, knotted donut. So we go behind this restaurant, and who do we see? It's Sparky, who, he's still alive, he's surviving. As you can see, he's um, dumpster diving for food. He sees Beethoven. They share a moment, they bark at each other, like, Hey, I know you, you saved my life. Here you go, you can have this delicious uh, glazy, glazed stickery pastry. Uh, Beethoven's gonna hit up the park now. Um, he's gonna have some ice, share an ice cream cone with a little girl. That is just, uh, why would you do, that's, that's too much. It's like, she'll give the ice cream cone to Beethoven to lick, and then she'll lick it. Like, they're sharing an ice cream cone. That is too much. All right, now we're going to Valley Vista School Junior High Volleyball Tryouts, it says on the outside of the school. So this is Rice's school. We got a bunch of sweaty teenage boys and Rice is hanging out in the stands doing like some math homework or something and she's got a crush on one of the guys. Oh, some of these boys, you know, shirts and skins, it's, it's just gross. They're all gross and sweaty. I bet that's not even their real sweat. They were probably just sprayed down with a water bottle. Ugh. This guy she's got a crush on is like Dick thin skinny. His name is Mark and he's like grabbing his, he's got his shirt and he's like wiping himself with it. Like wiping the sweat off. And she's like, oh hi Mark. He does not even pay attention. He doesn't even look her way. It's like she didn't even speak. But we do get a little Wonder Years callback here with uh, the girl who played Kara. She plays, I guess we learn her name Donna Ditsworth. I like Kara better. She's like, oh, you're all sweaty. And he's like, ew, do you like it? It's like, ew, no. So she's got to be a popular girl, and she's got her eyes on this guy. Poor Rice. The boy she likes doesn't notice her. How sad. 
Now we head to Air Newton Fresheners. Air Fresheners Newton. Newton Air Fresheners. As we get this guy who, I guess his job is to clean out this giant nose that's uh, in the front of the building. <laughs> He's using a, like, one of those um, brushes, like, long brushes that you would use to, uh, I don't know, brush something off. So George is leading a uh, man and woman around his shop. He says, air fresheners are the fastest growing area in household hygiene. And he, um, he pulls something out of the conveyor belt, which is uh, a print of some of the air fresheners that his company creates. He says, all of these use a two-dip process that guarantees a longer smell life. So I'm guessing that these people that he's meeting with is investors. Played by David Duchovny and Patricia Heaton. So this is definitely, it's pre-X-Files, pre, definitely pre-Everybody Loves Raymond. So George pulls what's a particular, as he refers to as a favorite, it's a leather jacket cutout. And I guess it's new leather scented. And the man and woman like, oh, it's cute, but it's tacky looking. And I wouldn't want to hang it from my beamer. Oh, no, she says, I wouldn't, like, oh, that would look good in my beamer. Or I could use that in my beamer, like they're, they're fancy cars. And But she's like, I don't want to hang it from my rear view mirror. It just looks really tacky. And George, he's he's... A step ahead. He's like, well, you know, most people just put it on their dashboard. See, it's got Velcro on the back. You know, a lot of people just hide them. It's no big deal. <laughs> so both the man and woman were like, oh, I could use it in my Beamer. I could use it in my Beamer. And I love George's response is like, I think a lot of people could use them in their Beamers. So now we move to, I'm guessing this is upper elementary school, maybe fifth grade or fourth or fifth grade, maybe. This is like an outdoor cafeteria with just, um benches that you would find at a park somewhere. So, Ted is sitting with, like, two other, I don't want to call them eggheads, but they're, they look like kids that are probably, they're not popular, but maybe the loner area, the where they don't sit with the popular kids, but we get this trio of boys, the Big Mac kid, the blonde spiky-haired kid, is wearing a red sleeveless top and then this other boy's got a leather jacket he's got one of those um bandanas covering his head and then we get um this hispanic heavyset boy that's wearing a um acid wash jean jacket so as soon as those three boys approach those other two boys who are sitting with ted they vacate asap and ted himself even gets ready to like book it but they are on him like a piranha on a stake. And they push him back down onto uh, the bench seat. So they kind of fuck around with his lunch. Like, oh, that's a great lunch you have there. A veritable nutrition lesson. As they take his container of milk and dump it onto his sandwich. And then they, before they leave, they like rub his head and kind of mess up his hair. Like, hey, see you on the bus. So, Beethoven is going to make his stop at Rice's school. See her for a bit. 
So I'm kind of wondering, is this like a regular thing? Because Rice comes out like, hey, well, the teacher made me stay after. Sorry about that. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is going to be a daily thing. Like, he'll go and visit. Like, he visits Rice at least at school, so. <laughs> but I like how he helps each kid out in their own way that they need. Um, she feeds Beethoven a Twinkie, and she's like, see over there, that's, uh, the guy I have a crush on, and that's the girl, Donna D Ditsworth. Her hair is perfect, her teeth are perfect, and even Mark thinks he's, she's perfect. How they're, she and Mark are hanging out by the water fountain, and this boy who just wants to get the heck out of there, but Mark's like, no, you're gonna sit down here, and you're gonna watch me as I talk to this girl. Like, dude, I just want to go. Why do we got to sit here and... Okay, I'm going to say something about this girl. What she's wearing, this Donna Ditsworth. She is wearing, like, some pink thing. Like, pink top with, like, some pink uh, legging jeans. And it just looks like too... She's supposed to be 12, right? She looks like something that looks like something that a, a child would wear when they're like maybe five or six. Like maybe something Emily would wear. And this Mark here is just like posing at the water fountain as she w waves goodbye. It's like, you are not a model. You're no Nathan Scott, you and your uh, basketball dreams in the, in the gymnasium there, guy. You are not all that. He's average. Um, Beethoven sees this and he gets a sense from Rice like that she really likes this guy and Beethoven's like, oh, I'll fix that. You want to impress this guy? I will do that for you. As he goes, grabs a stick and wanders over to Mark as Rice is like, Beethoven, what are you doing? And Beethoven's like, no, no, don't worry, girl. I got you. I'll take care of this. So, Beethoven goes over there with this giant stick, and the kid's like, hey, check out Fido. Like, here, do you want me to throw that? So, he grabs onto the stick Mark does, and Beethoven leads him over to Rice. You know, I mean, now that I think about it, that kid is kind of a cutie. He's got a dimple, he's got dark hair, he's wearing a windbreaker. He heads over to her. He's like, hey, this is a cool dog. Of course, um, Mark's friend also trails over, like, oh, yeah, cool dog. And he's like, oh, is it yours? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, what's his name? And she's like, Beethoven. He's like, great. Like, well, I'll see you later, Rice. And then he walks away and she's like, he knows my name! He knows my name! Like, yeah, he does know your name. All right, so now we cut back. I, some of the stuff I think I might gloss over a smidge. Um, we cut back to George's business and he's walking out, David Duchovny and Patricia Heaton. And he's like, oh, so you guys are interested. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, we smelled a lot of things, a lot of other businesses, but yours definitely, I can speak for, uh, what's her name, Brie, I think? Um, like, yours definitely smells the best, so. Those two are shifty as fuck. I mean, come the hell on. Do not, with those smiles. I wonder, are they a couple? They seem like a couple. So Beethoven heads home, he goes in through the basement, and these giant cookies that look like three cookies in one are sitting on the table, so he snags one. 
He's just hanging out with the cookie, and then he gets a sense like something's not right as we go to the school bus. As the Big Mac blonde, spiky-haired kid sits next to Ted, we got the Hispanic overweight boy in the back and behind Ted, and then we got the uh, bandana-clad, leather-wearing guy in the front, in the seat next to, or in front of Ted. Um, they're like, oh, how you doing, Theodore? And the thing is, when I saw this movie, I didn't know that Ted was short for Theodore. Like, I remember Elvin and the Chipmunks, you know, Theodore being the youngest, but they never called him, like, Ted or Teddy or anything like that. And I gotta under... I don't understand. It's like, they're like, oh, what? Here's your bag. Let me look at it. And why is your bag open, Ted? Because all of his shit spills onto the floor. And they're, like, throwing his bag around. And then Ted finally grabs it and runs off the bus as the kids chase after him. The school bus driver is not doing a fucking thing about it. I mean, he's driving. What else can he do other than shout at them to go back to their seats? But no, he stops as Ted runs off the bus and the three other kids run after him. Like, hey, Ted, Theodore, we want to walk you home. Beethoven luckily, like, senses this and runs out to defend his boy. And they're, like, throwing, like, punch, like punches, like, right near Ted's face. They're like, oh, you're a scaredy cat. Come on, hit me, hit me. Like, what the fuck? Three against one? Really? <laughs> they took his glasses off of him. What the hell? And Ted is getting pissed. He, his fists are clenching at his sides. Like, he wants to throw down. They're like, oh, he can't even see. He's blind as a bat. And then Beethoven comes around the, the, the corner of the hedges here. And he starts growling at them. Ted does not even see Beethoven right next to him. And the kids all kind of slowly, like, uh, back away in fear as Beethoven's like, You got a problem with my boy? You're gonna deal with me. As he, Beethoven, all he has to do is show his fucking teeth and growl. And those kids are fucking a mile down the damn sidewalk. Oh, and they give Ted his glasses back. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, Ted. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Again, here we get the fake d dog mouth shot. It's like, <laughs> those are, that's a fake dog face. Because we just get, like, just the bottom half of his nose and his teeth. But that is fake. Because then you flash back to, to Beethoven's face and he's looking at him like, what happened? I don't get it. But Ted's oblivious to Beethoven even being anywhere near him. He's like, oh, something. He looks at his hands like, wow, this really worked. <laughs> and then he's like, don't come back. <laughs> Good on you, Ted. So now we get a shot of shirtless Ted in the bathroom as he is flexing his muscles. Like, yeah, check out my guns. Very impressive. Did he just hit himself in the freaking chest? <laughs> Well, at least we do see that Rice is groomed. Someone is grooming the dog. His hair is not in mats or anything. Because she's brushing him and she's worried like, Oh, but he's got to like me before he said my name and this and that. And it's like, George comes in to say goodnight. And she's like, Oh, goodnight, Dad. And George takes one look at Beethoven like, You, out, now, bye. Because the dog turns and, like, looks like he's got this loving look in his eyes. Like, ah, I'm not doing anything. So, George has Beethoven go out into his kennel. Like, you sleep there, I sleep here. You sleep, see? Oh, good for you. We're making progress. So, now we get a shot of, um, 
George and Alice in the bedroom at night and George is all about these investors because he wants to expand on his business and I'm guessing what he's he's saying like you to Alice he's you even said you'd come back to work so I'm guessing they must have worked together at one time like she maybe tried to help get his help him get his business off the ground and she decided to just be a stay-at-home mom like with you know the youngest child and everything so maybe she'd just been staying home so i'm guessing like maybe where this is going is like maybe like you're really preoccupied with you know all of your business right now and your head really isn't here with the family when it should be like when you're at work you should be at work but when you're home you need to be like at home like both figuratively ment mentally and physically so George really wants Alice to get back on board and come back to work like oh you said you'd give me uh one wish for my birthday and he's like well I wish you'd you know, come back to work and you know she turns the light off and says you know honey I like being home with the kids are home I don't want them coming home to some stranger and he's like oh don't worry about it we'll get some of the kids really love like <sighs> and then apparently he's really worked up and everything because he's really putting the moves on her like he really wants some sexy time with his wife so she gets up inside to go check on the kids Make sure they're okay. And then Beethoven gets into the house like he normally does through the window in the basement. And he turns on the TV. We get um, coverage on uh, dog napping. So I'm going to go. Okay, so uh, the news comes on and the a a news anchor is saying like this is the third occurrence this month. We've seen a 500 increase in the reported incident of stolen pet. 500 percent increase that is insane so all of those pets that we saw at the beginning of the movie that were locked in cages before the guy said i need puppies those were all somebody's pet at one point so the police believe that an animal kidnapping ring is at work so this has got to be before all of those um dog fighting rings and stuff i mean this is like early 90s so we hadn't really heard too much about dog fighting rings so it's i mean more than likely they're probably like oh like animal testing and stuff like that oh okay hold on a minute um no before alice goes to check on the kids she and george are laying in bed and she's hearing like noise from downstairs she's like did you hear something of course george is all hot mother like, ah, i didn't hear anything as he goes back to like humping her or whatever he's trying to do oh well, the wolf man is playing on tv okay so george comes down to take a look turns out the tv was on but luckily beethoven hears george approaching and like gets out of the living room fast so george turns the tv off starts heading back downstairs what's when alice decides to go check on the kids so when he goes to bed he doesn't know that alice isn't there yet so we get this really creepy deal with him thinking the dog is his wife and this is kind of sad as george is like in bed just gotten into bed he's like wow no matter how many showers i take i still smell beethoven all over me and poor beethoven it's like you want you hurt his feelings he's like oh he doesn't like me it looks like he just sniffed like oh he doesn't like me this is so fake as he's like oh are you are you okay you're just so quiet as we see a fake dog 
I don't know whether this is a man in like a um a dog costume, but you see the dog roll over like a human. So now it's like up against George's back and it's like this dog is clearly humping you from behind and you think it's your wife. That's gross. And he's just going on as the dog is now it's Beethoven actually licking the back of George's neck. And George is saying stuff like, oh, you drive me crazy. Oh, it's not even Saturday night. And this is when Alice comes in. And she's like, honey, who are you talking to? And this is when George looks at her like, wait, if you're here, then who's... As he turns, and Beethoven actually sits up in the bed. And, and George just screams at the dog. Like, how dare you violate me that way? The dog just runs to his... And George sees how Beethoven can get in and out of his kennel if the door is locked on it. It's like, oh, I'm going to put a stop to that. And he's just screaming at the dog. And the um, sprinklers outside actually turn on and George is all wet. And it's just, he's like, eh, forget him. He's going back to the house. So I think also while George is yelling at him, it's like, I can't believe you're, my family like you more than me. I'm, I'd be like, well, can you blame them, George? You are really uptight and you're not exactly a friendly guy. You just... So I kind of think like a lot of his irritation and hatred towards Beethoven, not just that he didn't want the dog to begin with, but I think the fact that the family is giving so much attention and love to this dog, I think that George's jealousy of this dog is starting to come out in these ways. Um, we see Sparky at a, I'm thinking like it's a football field that's got like those bleachers as he's helping a homeless man collect cans and so I'm guessing that uh, Stanley Tucci's character and Oliver Platt like rigged up some like aluminum can on a string to catch so they have clearly been tracking this dog because they get him with a net where did that homeless man go? I'd be like, what are you doing to this dog? That guy like, must have left. So sadly, Sparky has been recaptured this time. And you hear Oliver Plath is like, can I tell you something to Stanley Tucci? He's like, I really don't like it when you tease the dogs. And Stanley Tucci's like, what are you, some kind of animal lover? And you see this rigged up, like, you see like, um, chem lab type stuff with like beakers and, and, um, chemicals and everything so now we get into a bit of a darker uh scenario if we thought that the animal testing or whatever they're doing on the dogs originally was bad enough now it goes even darker with um this man who wants this evil veterinarian uh dr varnick to test bullets on dogs because he wants to see, like, the impact of uh, close-up at range. As in, like, the barrel of the gun is pressed against the dog's skull. And the guy's like, well, in other words, you want to know how messy it is. So it's just testing bullets out on dog. Oh, you are a sick man. There is a place in hell for you, sir. There is a place in hell with your name on it. I don't know how much money he's offering this guy. He's like, oh, don't worry, we'll do I mean... Dr. Varnick, like, has no qualms. He is absolutely fine. 
Next shot, Varnick Animal Hospital. Oh, they had to go to that. So, okay, this guy does own an animal practice. And then I'm guessing the side work is... How is he obscuring or getting these dogs? Like, are these goons that he's hired actually going into people's backyards and stealing dogs? Or, or, although that might be kind of tricky with if they're like to say, oh, you're, this has got to be, because he's going to come up with a scam that I'll talk about in a minute. With probably saying, like, hey, the breed of your dog is known to be aggressive. Like, there have been reports, studies like this. He's probably pulled the same shit that he's going to do with the Newtons. He's pulled on other people to get their dogs. That's got to be one of these things. Because he is very well versed in this. And I believe that the the guy who owns um, the gun co- or bullet company or whatever did say he wants large dogs with massive skulls. Great Danes, St. Bernard's, stuff like that. Uh, looks like a Siamese cat. We have a dog that's got one of those plastic cones on its neck. We have a cute little Holland Lob Bunny. Aww. We have a dog that looks like it's got, like, something wrapped around its head. So, Dr. Varnick puts on his lab coat, and he is smiling from ear to ear as he looks in at his next patient in the examination room. And it's Beethoven. Like, yes, this is the kind of dog that the bullet company wants me to uh, experiment those bullets on. So this is a big family thing. Have they, they must have taken Beethoven to the vet prior to this. But it's a family. I mean, George is there and all the kids are there. So they want to be supportive of Beethoven. Alice is probably at home making dinner or something like that. So he checks uh, Beethoven's eyes, checks his mouth and everything. He's like, oh, well, he's in for his shots, huh? And he's like, well, he'll be a little groggy this evening. And he's remarking on, like, oh, this is such a magnificent animal. And when he says, oh, well, the dog will be a little groggy this evening, George's like, oh, that'll be nice. And Rice is, like, right there to kind of playfully shove her dad, like, dad, what the hell? He's like, what? I didn't say anything. So, of course, this is going to be his spiel. As Dr. Varnick turns to George and says, you should leave him overnight for observation. And the kids think this is utter bullshit, like... It's just a shot. He does not need to stay here for overnight. He'll be fine. And the kids are all like, yeah, he's scared and he wants to go home. Well, George, of course, is like, oh, yeah, you want me to leave him overnight? No problem. I'd be more than happy to. And Rice is the one that right away, she's like, dad, it's just a shot. He'll be fine. And Ted is like, come on, dad, let's take him home. He's scared and he wants to go home. So, of course... Varnick is like, hey, uh, Mr. Newton, I see, like, he sees these kids clearly are going to be a problem, and he's like, can I have a word with you privately? Like, the only way this is going to work, because George seems on board to leave the, the dog there overnight, is if he speaks to him privately without the children around. So, uh, Varnick heads out, he has, um, the vet tech come in and administer the shot, and Rice is like, oh, they're not gonna hurt Beethoven, are they, Dad? And George is like, oh, honey, nothing could hurt Beethoven. As Beethoven sees the shot, his eyes bug out, and he passes out on the, uh, on the examination table, and 
Emily is like sitting, standing right next to him. He's like, <gasps> so Dr. Varna kind of starts in to, with asking George a question. Have you noticed anything strange about your dog lately? Like how he's been acting. And <laughs> George is like, <laughs> actually he's uh, destroyed my life. And, um, Jordan, uh, Varnick is like, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm seriously though. <laughs> um, so he, Varnick starts in with saying how St. Bernard's have been very overbred. There's been quite a bit written about behavioral problems, which the reason that he's, he's, Varnick knows that he can get to George through his kids. Like, if I mention that St. Bernard's are known to have behavioral problems acting out aggressively, then I can get this dog in my... for what I need it for. Like, this man was... and will more than gladly hand him over. Oh, he starts with saying that he's had to put down several over the past months. Okay, honestly, um, <clears throat> with St. Bernard's, I know that they're a, a I'm sure a great dog. They have short lifespans because they're on the large side, but, um, are they really that popular? I mean, I bet when this movie came out, the popularity in the breed probably skyrocketed, just like with 101 Dalmatians, Finding Nemo with the Clownfish, you know, stuff like that. That guy is wearing some major Coke bottle glasses because they really enlarge his eyeballs, Dr. Varnick. He says that um, the dogs have a tendency to turn on people, attack without provocation. He says, I only mention this to you because you have children. Now we move on to Alice's grilling. George is kind of hanging out, watching the kids play with Beethoven with the sprinklers. What time of year is this? This is, what, summer? Well, maybe late spring. And the whole time, George is just sitting at the patio table, just visually focused on Beethoven and how he is acting. Rice has got Beethoven on a leash as she's leading him through the sprinkler and the kids are like, chase me, chase me. And, and this, and he, and Alice wasn't there. I mean, she's kind of like not believing it. She's like, Beethoven isn't even remotely dangerous. He'd never hurt the kids. He might take a bite out of you though. Cause she's kind of like, and George is like, no, any weirdness, any snarling, anything, any snapping and he is gone. And she's like, weirdness? What honey? Should I look for him wearing my clothes around the house? <laughs> <laughs> so Alice is not even taking this seriously at all. I mean, this is just one vet. I would have went to another vet and said, I want a second opinion from somebody else because I'm not believing any of this. I mean, if I were, if I myself were George, if I had kids, I would not just go by one veterinarian's hearsay. I would have went to other vets in the area, maybe outside of the area. I know the internet wasn't hugely available in 92, but you ask around and you try to find this stuff out because there probably could have been published reports on incidents of this. So now we get to the babysitter. We have, 
why is Alice walking the kids to this babysitter? They have a vehicle. They have like a like a blue Camry thing or something and then a station wagon. And it looks like she picked the kids up from school to take them to this lady's house. And this lady has got her arms around. She's, you know, a heavier lady. She's jolly. And she's got her arms around both Rice and Ted. And they are both looking at their mom. Rice's arms are folded across her her chest. Like, I do not want to be here. And Ted is very apprehensive. He's like, Mom, please don't leave us here. Poor Emily's sucking on her thumb, which, have we seen her do that this movie? So she is rarely nervous. They've probably never been left at someone else's house before like this. Like, and Rice is like, I don't need a babysitter, Mom. I'm like 12. <laughs> really, Rice could be watching the other two. She's 12 years old. She can watch them. You could be saving money. And this incident that's coming up wouldn't have happened. This lady is all about the music. Like, oh, I was hoping we could sing together later. You kids like music? And Rice is like, oh, what kind of music? She says, how about Herb Elbert and the Tijuana Brass? Without these subtitles, it would sound like breasts. Which is probably what I thought when I first saw this movie. Probably on VHS without subtitles. She says, as she walks into the house, I am a nut for the disco beat. As she, I don't know why she was kind of, like, pushing her hand against uh, Ted's face, like his glasses, as he takes his glasses off, like, yeah, there's definitely a smudge there. Are these the same glasses that Chris Castile wore on Step by Step? I think they were. And she's like, oh, I don't know about this, but I'm desperate in a bind. So, all right, kids, be good. As she leaves, we go back to the house. Beethoven, of course, is pacing back and forth in his kennel. We see that George has placed a bunch of firewood to block off the hole that Beethoven has created to get in and out of his kennel while nobody's there. And I think Beethoven already is sensing something's not right, even before it happens. Like dogs, like in Homer Bound, you know, Shadow said, I have a sixth sense. You'll have one one day. Oh my gosh! George didn't, oh, okay, on the outside, he used, like, firewood and everything. On the inside of the kennel, he put, like, little mini boulder rocks. And Beethoven is really, like, trying to get at this, like, I need to get out of here. So, yeah, Alice and George are meeting with the investors, and I don't like David Duchovny's wording here. He's like, we want to get in bed with Newton Auto Air Fresheners. Interesting wording, I don't... That's gross. <coughs> so, um, both of them, the man, uh, David Duchovny and Patricia Heaton, like, stand up to shake George's hand. Alice is there smiling. She's got her hand out. Neither one of them shake her hand. It's almost like, why am I still holding my hand out? And David Duchovny says, we'll meet with our lawyers today and have the papers drawn up. I wouldn't be looking at those papers. I ain't gonna get into that, like, big time when we get to that fucking scene. But if you're a businessman and you're going to be dealing with and people who are investing in your company, you would have your own people to look over that. You would not just sign away blindly without even looking at a contract. Oh, Patri Patricia Heaton's like, hey, um, <laughs> we should celebrate. Are there, any, are there any good restaurants in this burg, like the small little dink-ass town? 
And George is like, oh, restaurants, restaurants. And Bonnie Hunt is like, well, come to our house and we'll barbecue. And Patricia Heaton's like, oh, barbecue, yeah. Like, fuck you, bitch. So we cut back to uh, Disco Lady's house here. as she is, like, rocking and rolling at the piano with the... Um, the song, the Moulin Rouge song, how does it go? What is it? Gitchy, gitchy, ya, ya, da, da. Something Marmalade? I, hold on, I want to look how that goes. Okay, so the song is called Marmalade? Lady, so it's just called Marmalade? I thought Lady Marmalade, something like that. But I wouldn't have known that watching this movie in 1992. It wasn't until I'd heard this song. All, I've never seen Moulin Rouge. But this song was all over the fucking radio back in the day. And it was, you know, it's a cool song. But it's like, the, then I watched this movie again. I'm like, that song sounds familiar. How do I know that? Because of this movie. She's singing the Marmalade song. And she's got little Emily who's got that, like round plastic ball and the lady's got an in-ground pool i get that it's california well the newtons don't even have a pool that's why they're running around that sprinkler but why couldn't she have the girl in there with the other two kids because we go into this backyard and it's like set up with flowers and landscaping with rocks and everything so there really isn't space to be bouncing this plastic ball and Emily walks past, playing with this ball, walks past this in-ground pool, and we hear this ominous tone, like, okay, something is going, because it lingers on the shot of the pool. It's like, okay, something is going to happen. And for all of you that have seen the movie, you know what's going to happen. She's going to fucking fall into the pool. <coughs> She is playing too close to the edge of that pool. Kid, why? You know that ball's gonna fall in the pool. Make marmalade down in old New Orleans. This lady is a disco freak. And she is, like, just wanting to show off her, her singing. These kids don't give a fuck. They don't care, bitch. And you're so into what you're doing that you... Do not even see what that other... Why did she keep them separate? So I was just reading the subtitles. That's the lyrics that she's singing. But now we cut to a shot of Emily. She's bent down, arm outstretched. The ball is way out of reach. Like, she thinks, like, if she bends down far enough, she can just go and reach it. Like, there's even a little, um walkway out to it that if she were to just like step off that onto that even that's gonna that ball is gonna be too far out for you to get but what happens boom she falls right in and you know that water is gonna be way over her head and the moment she says help we got beethoven trying to get out of his kennel luckily okay the door does open good this bitch is oblivious she's playing the piano she's not even looking out there at that kid and Emily is struggling to keep her head above water. She's like, help, help, help. And even the kids, the Ted and Rice, they don't see her out there because this, oh my, bitch is screaming, singing at the top of her damn lungs. And I don't know how far away this is, but you see Beethoven like running down the street, jumping over some woman who's some late bathing, jumping over a fence and landing in the pool. And he goes underneath. 
Emily gets her and she kind of, you know, rides him like a horse, like, as he takes her to safety. He rescues his little girl and he shakes off when he gets out of the pool and, you know, he, he cleans her off, makes sure she's okay. And she pats him like, thank you, Beethoven, for saving my life. But you have to go home. Dad says you have to stay in the backyard. So... Back inside the house there, the lady's like, oh, you kids might be interested to know that I'm a lounge singer at the Padded Zebra or something. Like, those kids don't give a shit. And the kids turn and they look out the window and Emily's kind of waving to them. She is, like, sopping wet. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Emily's in the pool. And the woman's like, the pool? Like, yeah, bitch, you weren't watching this child. She could have drowned. I'm surprised that they don't charge her with child neglect. And this bitch is full on blaming Emily as Ted and Rice run out there. Like, Emily, Emily, are you okay? Like, what are you doing in the pool, young lady? You want to get me into trouble? Like, bitch, I would f fucking beat the shit out of you if that were my kid. I can tell you right now, I would be calling the cops and you would be sent away. Like, bitch, you are in trouble. Wait till that mother gets done with your ass. And Ted and Rice are the only ones that are concerned about Emily's well-being and safety. Like, Emily, are you okay? And she's like, I fell in. I thought I was going to die. They're like, oh, you must have been so scared. And she's like, yeah. And then the woman has the nerve to pull Emily away from her brother and sister and say, oh, honey, you were never in any real danger, okay? So we're going to keep this our little secret. Boom. Rice jumps in there and says, I would like to call my mother. Please. And the woman looks at her with, in shock, like, your mother? And Rice is like, immediately. So now we cut to Alice holding um, Emily in a towel, carrying her out to the car. And then the woman is trying to explain away what happened. Like, oh, she's full on blaming Emily. Like, oh, she must have snuck out while I was watching Ted and Rice. It was hot out, so she must have wanted to take a little swim. Like, bitch, you are not fucking helping yourself. You need to shut up now. And and Alice is like, and where were you while all of this was happening? And the lady's like, where I was supposed to be? Inside watching the other two. Lady, you should have been watching the six-year-old. She can't be by herself, and you got a fucking pool. Oh, my God. I want to slug that bitch. She said it. If Emily had stayed where I put her, none of this would have happened. Bitch, you are blaming a child that you should have been watching. A 12-year-old and a 10-year-old don't really need your supervision. They can take care of themselves, but a 6-year-old is another story. Oh, this bitch. Oh, I want to punch her in the fucking face, even though R.I.P. actress. Um, she says, if you ask me, what these children need is a little discipline. And Alice just looks at her point blank and says, what these children need is their mother. You're fired. And the lady has the gall to be all shocked. Like, excuse me? Her daughter almost drowned on your fucking watch. And you have the gall to be shocked about being fired? No. And I'm not too happy with the way that George is explaining away this. Like, oh, we'll find someone real responsible. You can't blame just one bad babysitter. As Alice is, like, putting together this food display for these investors that are coming over. It's like, sir, George, your daughter could have died. And you only give a shit about your business. Your priorities are way the fuck down of where they should be. 
And Alice just looks after he says, we'll find someone responsible to look after the kids. And she's like, over my dead body. We are not doing this. Oh, I love how they've left the kids with these investors. With David Duchovny and Patricia Arquette. David David Duchovny is like squeezing one of these like blue stress balls. And uh, <laughs> and um, Patricia Heaton is kind of rubbing her manicured nailed um, finger around this glass of water. And David Duchovny is like, we're fine on our own, you know, you don't have to entertain us. And I'm sure the kids are like, well, we don't want to fucking be out here either, but we have no choice. Oh, uh, the kid, oh, Ted's look is just like, oh, you people suck. <laughs> and little Emily's got her, like, hand resting on her chin, like, mm, can I go inside now? Even Beethoven, who is um, on a lead in the backyard there, is, like, got a look on his face, like, who the fuck are these yahoos? I don't like these people at all. One of the most common kid questions to ask adults as a child in the 90s or 80s or whatever, I don't know if kids ask this too much today, but especially if you see a couple there, you're like, do you have any kids? And they both laugh at that. Like, <laughs> we have a career. A big one. <laughs> like, fuck you. And Rice is like, well, excuse us. And all three of them are like, we're going inside. I don't care what our parents say at this point. So when the kid's gone, we hear this little scheme that this married couple of investors has cooked up as Beethoven's ears perk up in interest. Like, huh, these people aren't as they say they are. Interesting. And they call the kids brats and monsters. Like, they're not brats, and they sure as hell are not monsters. You people are evil incarnate. You and your X-File and your Everybody Loves Raymond selves. So they have a little uh, portfolio thing there that they flip open. And David Duchovny says, if we, pu- if we pull this off in six months, we will own Newton Auto Air Fresheners. So are they um, like a rival air freshener company? Or maybe it's like they want to try to see how many of these businesses they can collect for their own to make their own profit on. So, I'm guessing they're gonna try to cheat cheat George out of his company. So, as they're like drooling over this contract here, (laughs) that's when George and Alice come out. She's got a food tray for everybody and David Duchovny's character comes right out with like, Hey, I got the contract right here, bud. All you gotta do is sign it. (laughs) Okay, so it is a contract. That says at the top of it, it says this agreement. So he's just kind of overseeing it just a little bit. And Alice is like, you want to do that now, honey? Like, like, do you not want to look it over? So David Duchovny realized, like, okay, this wife could be a problem. She could get in the way of this. So he distracts her by saying, uh, Alicia. And it's like, uh, no, her name is Alice. He's like, can I hear my brain's meal, please? Like, in some baby-ass voice. And she just kind of looks at him in surprise. Like, she must know that he wants to get rid of her. 
Like, he does not want her there while George is signing, like. But she finally, you know, being the good wife, she's like, fine, sure, yep. So they don't want George to read this contract, as he's kind of just going over it. And even Patricia Heaton's like, just right down there at the bottom, just sign it. They're like, sign it, sign it, sign it, sign it, don't read it, just don't worry, it's all we went over it, just sign it. Well, we just need your signature and we will leave. And George is like, is this everything we discussed? And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. So we see, <laughs> we get a shot of Alice refilling that lemonade as she takes a sip and then spit, basically spits in that lemonade, which good for her. And Alice is like, honey, we don't need to sign that now. Why don't we have a little something to eat? And then right away, Patricia Heaton cuts in and is like, Alice, tell me about your dog. And she's like, Ooh, he's a dog? And that's when Patricia Heaton goes out and like, oh, yes, you cute little big stupid dog. And Sorry, I don't mean stupid. Like, you mean, I love these big dumb animals. And she brings the dog over to her, to the table. Like, keep her distracted. Keep her talking about the dog. Because you see, right before Patricia Heaton ta asks Alice about the dog, David Duchovny looks at her like, do something, do something, do something, say something. This lady! Her baby talk with this dog, with Beethoven, it's just ridiculous. Like, she, the way that this woman is impeccably dressed with not an ounce of dirt or smudge or anything on her, she would not even... A woman like this who is dressed like this would not go anywhere near that dog. She would be too afraid of getting something on her clothes. And she's all like, oh, you want to come with mommy and daddy? Yes, you do. And she's leading Beethoven back over there. She's like, oh, I just big, love these big dumb animals. Like, uh, Beethoven's not so dumb and you're going to see why shortly. And David Duchovny's line of dogs obey so much better than children, don't they? It's like, the fuck? Where did that come from? Even George kind of looks up from this contract. He's looking at him like, what? <laughs> so Beethoven kind of gets to work here with going underneath the patio. It's one of those metal patio tables that you know if it hits against uh, concrete, sparks are going to fly. So he gets to work underneath the table, kind of wrapping the leash around the chairs. You know, just... um. David Duchovny and Patricia Arquette and the table itself. So he's got planned what he is going to do. Oh, David Duchovny's character's name is Brad? Okay. And he keeps, like, showing, like, oh, uh, George. The, he keeps calling him Giorgio. Like, oh, the place is for you to sign. All right. It's like, why aren't you signing? Is there some kind of a problem going on? I love Alice's response. Like, oh, honey, are you sure you want to, you know, sign me whiny right now? <laughs> And that's when Patricia Heaton knocks over that glass of lemonade. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, no, don't you break a nail. Let me get that broken glass. Oh, this is uh, Alice comes in and throws that broken glass away. And the kids are all kind of helping themselves. We see a big jar of Jeff peanut butter. So Ted has kind of helped himself to making those, like, ants on a log type thing. Because he's got celery and peanut butter there. And she's like, oh, you kids sure haven't made a good impression. And I'm like, oh, I'm crushed. Me too. Oh, I'll, crawl, I'll, I'll cry all night. Like, yeah, I know I don't like them either, but it's important to your dad. And I love Emily's responses. I hope Beethoven slimes that lady's dress. Well, he's not going to do that, but he's going to do something like 
ten times better than that. Yeah, Beethoven keeps leap looping his leash around the table, and he's, like, strapping in the chairs with his leash. So they're, like, tight up against. Like, these people are not going to be able to move when they're in these chairs. Wow, this Brad, uh, David Duchovny guy is like, if you don't want our capital, we can find another investment somewhere else. It's like, they're really beyond pressuring to the thousandth degree to get him to sign. It's like, sign, sign, why haven't you signed? Sign it, sign it, sign it. Beethoven even goes so far as to shove his head between George's hand holding the pen and the contract, almost like, do not sign, George, don't do it. You're going to put your family in jeopardy and your company at risk. All those people, they'll be out of jobs, George. All of those workers at your plant. So Alice comes out with, like, a, a sponge to, like, mop up the mess and everything. Oh, did I miss everything, anything? And, uh, they're like, uh, no, 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 Giorgio has just gone over all the paperwork and he's about to sign. As Beethoven heads over to David Duchovny, the guy, of course, is like, get out of here, you stupid mutt. And he chucks that blue ball, that stress ball. And that was the wrong thing to do because Beethoven is all over that. Like, okay, I all, all I needed was that. And you hear, as soon as he throws that ball, that music kicks in. Like, okay, this is, this is going to be it. It's happening now. Beethoven takes off. The leash is taut, taut against the chairs and the table. Of course, right before it, the table collapses and the chairs go and the couple along with Beethoven, he, uh, David Duchovny is like, oh, I pitched in college. Like, and this is where you ended up. I take it that pitching career did not go anywhere after college. Because you see that leash, like, pull right against that table and the, those chairs. It is taut. It is, they're not going anywhere. So the couple get pulled backwards in their chairs. The table gets turned over, spilling everything on it. George is like, ah! So, yeah, they get dragged behind Beethoven along with the table right after them. <coughs> and they flip over that fence. And they're, like, sitting, both sitting upright, and that table's, like, collapsed, like, right in front of them. And George is running at Beethoven, screaming at him, like, bad dog, stop, stop, stop. And Beethoven just, his eyes bug out, and he runs down the sidewalk with, uh, and David Duchovny and Patricia Heaton look at each other, like, oh, here we go again, as they tip backwards, and they're sliding down the sidewalk. As sparks are flying from that metal table. And I love Alice waving and giggling, oh, trying to hide a giggle, but not really, like, bye, <laughs> you all suck. So now it's evening time. We see Beethoven's back in his enclosure. Alice comes out. George is sitting at the patio table that's now upright and back in their backyard. And the only thing he has to say is like, I really don't like our dog. And Alice is like, well, I don't like those people. I don't trust them. And I don't want their money. And we cut back inside to the uh, Rice, Ted, and Emily all listening to what's being said outside because they feel Beethoven's in trouble now and they don't know what's going to happen. So now Alice lets in on a little how she's been feeling. She's like, I'm not interested in expanding. I know you don't care to hear my opinion. And if I'd have been home instead of helping you impress those morons, Emily wouldn't have fallen into the pool. And she flat out tells George, like, I am not re-entering the workforce. You're going to have to do this on your own. And she says how, and you will make your fortune. 
and tucked away behind you deep in the shadows will be me and the kids. She's really, you know, throwing the guilt at him, which well deserved in a way. The fact that he had no real response to the idea that his daughter could have fucking drowned because he wanted his wife there to help him impress those asshole investors. So George kind of just shakes his head in disgust and stands up. He's like, so that's how you see me as a lousy husband and father. And now he turns it on his head. He's throwing all of this blame onto Beethoven as in everything was fine until Beethoven came into our lives. Do not throw this onto that dog. That dog does not have any power in this situation. That is not that dog's fault. This shit would have happened regardless whether that dog was brought into your house or not. And George is basically like, this is the last straw. I've tried to be patient, but I've had it. The dog has got to go. And the, you hear the kids kind of back away from the door like, whoa, this is not good. And Alice throws it back in George's face. She's like, I'm proud of Beethoven. Those idiots insulted your kids, treated me like dirt, and that dog has... And he was the only one of us who had the nerve to give them the ride they deserved. Well put, Alice. Thank you. That guy is so blinded by what he wants with his company that he's willing to sacrifice his integrity and his kids and his wife's well-being. He didn't even bother to really look at that contract. I mean, he was trying to... He was going to let himself be pressured into signing away his company without even fucking realizing it. So Alice pretty much figures this is a fight that she's not going to win and she doesn't really want to continue to discuss it. And George is pretty much set on the dog is going to go. So she's like, I'm going to bed. Like, you can sleep on the couch for all I don't give a fuck. And his words to her are, my dream's going down the drain and you're worried about a dog. And she goes one better and she says, your family's going down the drain and you're worried about a dream. Like, as in, you need to get your priorities in order. Like, your family should be number one on that fucking list. And you've neglected both me and the kids. So George kind of sits out there by himself, sulking. Uh, we get a timestamp at 627 in the morning. And the kids get Emily up. They want to get up before the parents. Oh, I noticed on the nightstand here we got the alarm clock. We got a $5 bill. We got a landline phone. We got... What is that? We got uh, what looks like Rolaids. Oh, the kids are taking Emily down the stairs. She's like, why are we getting up so early? And they like proceed to cover her mouth and drag her down the stairs so she won't wake up the parents. Basically, the goal is what they want to do is we see Ted walking Beethoven. We see the girls in the kitchen making scrambled eggs breakfast stuff for dad. Like, we're going to make dad a nice breakfast. We're going to divvy up the chores because they're also washing Beethoven. And Rice even says, he, as dad comes in, he's like, what is all this? And Beethoven's got a bow on his on him. He's all prettied up. And the kids are dressed very nicely. And Rice goes and tells him, like, Dad, we've divvied up the dog chores, so you don't have to do anything for Beethoven any longer. And so the kids think that this is the only thing that is keeping Dad from getting rid of Beethoven, is if he doesn't have to do anything for him, then he'll be able to stay. Emily drops all, like, all of this dog food on the floor. <laughs> that is at least two bowlfuls on the floor. The 
kids are watching Beethoven. Emily's in her rain slicker. And we have um, Rice, who is blow-drying Beethoven with a hair dryer. And she's trying to, like, sit down on the steps and try to blow-dry him. Ted is even wearing a suit jacket. Oh, they all look so nice. Oh, we got the Mario game the kids are playing. Oh, let's see what else. They got Kung Fu. They got The Adventures of Link. Pin, but P, is that a, F? that's a P-I-N, pin bot? Kung Fu? What's that? Donkey Kong? <laughs> oh, and it looks like some golf Nintendo game. Because they have an NES right there with those game cartridges on top of it. So the vet decides to, Varnick decides to make a house call to this family as Alice has never met this doctor, this veterinarian before. As he's like, well, I spoke with your husband and everything like that. I'd like to see your dog. And he's like, I wonder if I might come in. He doesn't say anything about how I spoke to your husband. And she's a little weary at first. Like, we get, when he comes on the screen, you get that villainous undertone score to it. As in, this guy's up to no good. I really, I don't give a shit who you are. You are not coming into my house unless you have a search warrant from the police. So is George not there? As she just lets the the vet into the dog's enclosure. She doesn't oversee any of this. I'd be like, you can do whatever, but I'm going to be standing here watching you this whole time. Or like, here, let me bring the dog out into the yard where you can observe him. Because isn't that going to be, that's like coming in on Beethoven's territory. You're coming into his enclosure with him. That dog, I would imagine, would feel threatened. So the guy tries to play nice with Beethoven while Alice is in earshot. Because he keeps, like, Varnick keeps looking over his shoulder. Like, oh, good dog, Beethoven. How you doing today? And the dog, Beethoven's kind of cocking his head like, who is this guy? I think I remember you. Why are you in my enclosure? And the guy has brought, like, some scissors to cut apart the sleeve of his shirt. And then he's going to use some fake blood to like go all over his he's gonna make it look like the dog ripped open his arm and he's put some blood fake blood on Beethoven's snout to make it look like his mouth is all bloody and Emily is the one that actually sees this and Emily is witnessing this man slap Beethoven around the face like, he's trying to get the dog aggressive enough to attack him. And Emily is, like, seeing this, and her mouth is agape, like, what in the world? Emily screams, no! And she runs out of the room, and they're like, Emily, what's wrong? And you can hear Beethoven getting pissed off because he's starting to growl, and the guy is like, come on, you big stupid muck, come at me! See, <laughs> this guy is like, good, good, jump on me, and he's grabbing Beethoven by his face, and she... Like, shaking his face from side to side, and he's screaming, help, help! You know, it's for, like, people, the, the audience, for, the, like, help, help, I'm calling for help! And, but, he's calling, saying to the dog, saying, good boy, good boy, keep doing what you're doing, because this is gonna look good for me. And this is gonna prove my point. And the whole time, Alice has a clear shot of this kettle while she's been doing dishes. She finally looks out, sees Beethoven on top of the the, doc, the doctor. And where the hell has George been this whole fucking time? He's been in the house? Because Alice is like, George, oh my god! Okay, um, I'm kind of wondering if 
a St. Bernard would weighs like what 150 plus pounds, right? Wouldn't a person if they were probably being attacked by a dog? I'm not putting blame onto anyone that's been attacked by a dog. Not at all. I'm just saying that wouldn't somebody try to get away if they could? If a dog, I mean. That's almost like me saying if you were attacked by a much larger person trying to get away, like, maybe it's a struggle and stuff, but you would at least attempt it, and this guy's just on the ground. And Alice and George are like, Beethoven, Beethoven, stop! And the kids, um, Emily's coming out the French door saying, Beethoven, no, no! And Alice and George get into that enclosure, and they, I don't even think Beethoven needs to be pulled up. He just, like, the guy lets go of the dog, and the dog is like, okay... Because the guy has got a hold of Beethoven's collar, and that's why otherwise Beethoven would have gotten away. But this guy has got his, he was grabbing at Beethoven's face, and it's like Beethoven couldn't get away if he tried. And he backs away, and, and the kids are visibly upset. I mean, Ted's got a, a hand on the back of his head, like, oh my gosh, look what he did, look at his arm. I'd be like... If your arm were tore open like that, you would be dripping blood. It wouldn't just be on your sleeve. Like, if you had a big open gash on the inside of your arm, it would be bleeding profusely. So, Alice has kind of got a hold of uh, Dr. Varnick's arm, and his glasses are askew, and she's like, are you alright? And I'm like, I don't know. He just lunged at me. And Emily jumps right in, like, that's not true. I saw you. You hit Beethoven. And both George and Alice chastise Emily right away. Like, Emily, no, that's not what happened. And then he plays it off like, oh, no, why would I hit him? I patted him on the head. Like, fuck you. You did not. I saw you hit him more than once. I was watching out that window. And she's calling him out on his shit. She's calling him a liar. Because he's like, oh, I'm sure from a distance. I mean, the pat on the head looked like a slap. And they're... they're Alice and George are like, no, no, Emily, that is not what happened. You are wrong. And he has got his arm covered with something. He is not letting them, because they want to call an ambulance or something. He's like, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. No, I'll be fine. He does not want them to see his arm. And he's all like, I'll take care of this myself. I'm like, no, I want to see your fucking arm, because I do not want a fucking lawsuit. So now it's just George accompanying Vernet to his car, and he's like, I'm sorry, he's never done it like this before. And Varnick is like, once an animal crosses a line and attacks a human being, there's a good chance he will do it again. Well, of course, next time it could be one of your kids. So he pretty much threatens George. Like, I will be forced to notify the authorities unless you bring that dog to me. So that was the only way that he figured he was ever going to get Beethoven is to stage an act like this. I kind of wonder, has he pulled this shit with some of the other people's dogs that he's gotten? Or has he just had his henchmen go out and just steal the dogs? Because it just doesn't seem like he would go to this uh, effect. With... He probably figures more money is brought in if I get St. Bernard's or Great Danes. <laughs> so George heads upstairs and he sees Emily crying her eyes out with her mom and... Rice and Ted there and they're all crying and she's like dad didn't believe me he doesn't even want Beethoven here oh she says dad won't believe us because he hates Beethoven he's always hated Beethoven and Alice just turns to look at George like honey I don't know what to do at this point point." and I think 
think it, even George's fa expression is solemn. He's like, honey, I, I'm at a loss here too. I just got threatened with a lawsuit if I don't hand our dog over to this guy. So we see George walk out with the leash and we see Beethoven like rolling around in his kennel. And George like looks at Beethoven and he just sees that cute little puppy again, like the image of Beethoven as a puppy. So now we see George backing out of the driveway with the station wagon. Beethoven's in the back and the kids are like, what's that noise? They see dad taking off with Beethoven and they start running down the street like, dad, dad, wait, wait, wait. And we get a a moment here with George in, in the car telling Beethoven about how my dad took our dog away and I hated him for it and now I'm doing the same thing to my kids. I love what he says here and this is kind of making me sad. He says, I know you won't believe me, but I don't want to do this. So, Dr. Varnick has got his arm all wrapped up in fake gauze and, uh, athletic tape and everything to make it look like oh and he's gonna say oh, I had this many stitches and everything like that so he knows he's expecting George to come down with the dog so he needs to cover for what happened so he says it cost it was 37 stitches to stitch up his arm so Dr. Varnick with no emotion whatsoever he's like do you want to keep the collar and tags most people like to keep them and of course, uh, George is like, yeah, I guess so. So he gives George the um, leash to put on Beethoven. One of those um, things that have like a fake collar attached to the leash. This is just sad as he pulls Beethoven's collar off and then Beethoven just kind of rests his, his chin on George's arm. Like, why? Why are you doing this? I'm a good dog. Don't leave me here. And this is kind of sweet where George is... Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you were my dog, too. And it is, it's sad, but in a way, also, with all the grief that George is spouting about how terrible Beethoven was and everything, I am kind of having a hard time believing that he has any emotional attachment to this dog. Because of all the times he's been saying that, oh, this dog ruined my life. I really hate our dog. I wish we can get rid of him. I don't want the dog here. To, you were my dog too, and I don't really want to do this. Like, but George just give him Beethoven a hug and everything like that and pat him. So we get a shot from Be Beethoven's point of view as Dr. Varnick does put him in a cage and everything. It's almost like the grin that he gives Beethoven, like, you're mine now and I'll do with you what I want. You lost this battle. So this is very important what happens next as George goes up to the receptionist. As the receptionist tells George, like... I'm going to have to charge you for a day's boarding because Jimmy, who does the lethal injections and disposals, he's not here today. She says, we're going to have to hold the dog overnight. So this is key information that is going to come back later. Wow, this lady has got no emotion in her voice. Like, I'm tired. It's the end of the day. It's late at night. I want to get home. I'm sorry. These dogs that are in the waiting room waiting to see the vet look so sad and dejected. Like, we know what you did. We know that you dropped the, your dog off here and he's going to die. So George comes home. It looks like the kids barely ate, touched any of their dinner as George comes in. And the kids all vacate the, the kitchen. Like, we don't want to be anywhere near you. And Emily throws a dig at her dad and says, 
dog killer. So now we see Stanley Tucci, Oliver Platt, and of course, Dr. Varnick put Beethoven into a smaller cage to be taken to the warehouse where this experiment, ammo experiment, is going to be um, done. And he says, get everything ready, I'll be by in the morning. That Dr. Varnick has got such a gravelly, smoky voice. Like, he swallowed a cup full of gravel. And it's like the gravel is scratching away at his throat. So we see Sparky there, and he's just chilling as he sees Beethoven being led in on one of those animal control poles. So they wrestle Beethoven into yet another cage with the dog pole, and Stanley Tucci is screaming at the dogs, to s all the dogs there, like, shut up, as he takes out one of those combs that, you know, the us kids would get for picture day, those really small little combs, as he's, like, touching up the back of his, he, this guy does not have much hair on his head. It's really, and he's just touching that up. And Oliver Platt is like, can we eat? <laughs> like, he's hungry. What is this? He just, and Stanley Tucci just looks at Oliver Platt like, yeah, you hungry? And uh, <laughs> Oliver Platt is like, yeah, I'm hungry. Like, oh my god. They just did this thing. Wrestled this dog into a cage. And they're like, now he's like thinking about food. Like, can we go eat now? <laughs> I'm hungry. Wrestling this dog into a cage has made me work up an appetite. I would go back to the Newton house and... George and Alice are kind of hanging out in the backyard on the, on the steps there. Now, George, the guilt of what he's done has really starting to set in. He's like, did I do the wrong thing? And she's like, honey, I don't know. And she, you know, she's been crying. She's like, Beethoven made this house real. He put dents in it and she's like, I know he slobbered and he smelled bad, but he loved us. Even you. It's like, he loved that man. He really did. And she is kind of telling George, like, I really hope your motives were pure that you did this purely for the safety of the children and not for a piece of carpet or a chance to sell more air fresheners. As in, I hope that you didn't do this because you wanted life to go back to normal routine and everything with before we had the dog. And George is like, no, it had nothing to do with carpet or air freshener. You saw what he did to the vet. And Alice was like, I know, but have you ever known our daughter to verbally attack a man and then accuse him of lying? And George was like, no, I don't. But, like, what can we do? Question him and say, sure, Dr. Varnick, are you sure you didn't hit our dog? And then he's like, oh, sh oh, excuse me, Mr. Newton, of course I hit your dog. I just remembered, like... It's like, do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? And she's like, I know, but we trusted in a total stranger versus trusting our daughter. Like, do you realize how seriously fucked up that is? That you would choose a stranger's truth over your own child and what your child saw. And Alice is like, honey, I do not feel right about this. I want to go down there and like ask him or something because I'm she's like Emily is really sticking to this we need to really find out for sure and he just looks at her and the kids meanwhile have been listening on the other side of the door as they hear mom and dad want to go down there well we're going too and they're like no no and they're like, no we are going with you so now we go back to the vet office we see that um Dr. Varnick has got a bunch of stacks of bills that he's putting in a locker. 
He hears a knock at the door. He opens the door and immediately the kids start firing questions like, we want our dog back. Where's our dog? And he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, children, but the dog has been destroyed and they're like no no and then george immediately goes back to the conversation he had with the receptionist like wait a minute wait a minute no the the receptionist charged me for a date aborting because she said the guy who does the lethal injections and disposal was not there that day so where is my dog and rice is like i don't believe you as she's like i'm gonna find out for myself as she goes into the back where the kennels are and there's none of the dogs are there and he's like, you all need to, Dr. Varnick is like, you all need to get out of here now before I call the cops. He's full on shouting at them. Like, you have no right to be in here. You all have to leave. And George is fully pissed. He's like, where is my dog? And Dr. Varnick's like, you ordered that dog destroyed and it was done. Now get out. And George grabs him by the shoulder and Dr. Varnick is like, you hit me. I'll have you put in jail for assault and battery. And I love how George kind of like looks down like, yeah, yeah, you know what? He is right. And then he's like, oh, fuck it. Boosh! Right in the face. Knocks him through that kennel door and he hits the back wall. He fucking boosh! <laughs> like, yes, I'm clapping. Yes, George. You defend your dog. And the kids are all like, wow. And even Alice is like, really, honey? I am impressed. So they head out and George is like kind of flexing his hand like, oh, honey, I think I might need an x-ray. <laughs> so they decide to, because he does look, he grabs, um, before he punches him, he grabs Dr. Varnick by the arm, pulls down the sleeve, see nothing, no stitches, not a fucking thing. I think at one point, like, Dr. Varnick like goes and grabs rice. And that's when George grabs him and says, you get your hands off my daughter now. So George is now in a payphone trying to describe the situation to a uh, 911 or a police officer about the situation. Like the vet like came over to our house and attacked our dog and this happened and that happened and now he won't give us our dog back. And George is like, so what? What do you mean? So what? It's like the cops aren't going to do shit. And then that's when Ted says, hey, dad, Dr. Varnick is getting in his car. We need to follow him. So they get in the car and, and is it Rice or Ted is like, dad, you've never followed someone before. You need to turn your lights off. This is really, <laughs> this is very, very disturbing. Um, we get to that warehouse and it looks like Dr. Varnick is having both Oliver Platt and... Stanley Tucci um, throw like papers and evidence of what they've been doing in this uh, burning silo and then uh, Stanley Tucci's like alright now we have to give the dogs and Oliver Platt is like the dogs and Stanley Tucci's like yeah well he said we had to destroy all the evidence I'm like evidence of what you're not going to throw live dogs in there, are you? Unless it's like dogs that didn't survive the experiment. Like maybe they've been, uh, maybe, um, dogs that they've, you know, used the guns on and they're disposing the, uh, the bodies, I would guess. Cause that really, even seeing that in the theater, like that creeped me the fuck out. Like, are they going to throw live dogs in there or are they going to be the dead ones? that they've used the, the bullets on. So they pull up just outside of this warehouse where Dr. Varnick is 
gotten out of his car, went into the building, and George is like, I'm going to check this out. And he says, do not come after me. If I'm not back in 15 minutes, call the police. Yeah, he tells her, do not come in after me. Okay, so the St. Bernard, so Beethoven is strictly for the ammo test, but he's got, like, he's been using, what, chemicals and, and different vials of stuff on the other dog, so this is all, like, laboratory testing. Are those, like, animal fetuses that are in those jars of formaldehyde they're holding? And he says, bring me a little one for the chemical test, and of course... Stanley Tucci's like, oh, I know just the one. He wants revenge at that um, little Jack Russell Terrier Sparky. There are how many vials of liquid here? We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And the liquid ranges from red, white, green, blue, yellow. What is all this shit? <laughs> and the, the syringes all range in different sizes from jumbo to large to medium to small. So meanwhile, you see George outside of the building as he's trying to find like a fire escape, a ladder or something to climb up where he can get a look. Um, Stanley Tucci grabs Sparky by the scruff of the neck. And he's holding the dog there in front of Beethoven, almost like taunting him. Like, see? See what I'm doing to your friend? Does this piss you off? Apparently all the dogs are pissed off because they all start barking. And Beethoven's had enough. He's like, I'm gonna fucking break out of here and kill you both. And he does break out of there and the stupid goons start screaming and running. And Stanley Tucci drops Sparky at that point. And Stanley Tucci, like, they're trying to get away. Both him and Oliver Platt are trying to get away from Beethoven. Stanley Tucci tries to climb this ladder as Beethoven, like, bites his snakeskin booted foot. And he screams, this, Stanley Tucci screams like a girl. <laughs> it's so comical. This look, his boots look like a, like, cross between snakeskin and, like, cowhide. So George has managed to climb onto the roof, and he is looking down. He's got, like, a, there's, like, a skylight that he can look down and see, like, what's going on, as they have a handle on Beethoven now. <coughs> as uh, Oliver Platt, like, brought one of those, like, animal control poles, and they got it over Beethoven's head. And George is watching, like, all of this, like, what in the fuck is going on here? You got someone who's got a pole on my dog's neck, and someone looks like he wants to... And Dr. Varnick is coming down in a lab coat. <laughs> so now Alice is like, well, my husband's not back. So she's going to pull the same thing as George. Like, okay, kids, your dad's been in there a while. I'm going to, like, call the police. You stay here. If I'm not back in 15, you say, like, oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll be back. Don't go anywhere. And they're like, lock the doors, kids. Lock the doors. Like, okay. She's going to a payphone. And this guy is smiling as he cocks the gun, getting ready to shoot Beethoven right in the skull. He's like, so long, dog. And then that's when George goes and dives into that skylight. And he takes out both Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci. And we got Sparky here. He's like, uh, okay, what's going on? I gotta save the day. Beethoven saved my life at least twice now. <laughs> oh my gosh, was this man about to commit murder? He says, you're a very foolish man, Mr. Newton. You should have left well enough alone. I thought either he's going to shoot Beethoven right there with George's arms around him, or he's going to shoot George. And Sparky jumps right in there, and he goes right for 
Barnick's balls. Like, I ain't gonna rip your fucking balls off from your dick. And then your penis. That dog is latched onto that guy's balls. Like, I am not letting go. And of course, this happens while Varnick has got his finger on the trigger. Thus, he's shooting into the air. The kids are in the car. They hear that gunshot. Like, that was gun. And they're like, Daddy, oh no. And then they're like, Mom, you need to get over here. And then Ted jumps into the front seat. He's like, there is no time. Let me get behind the wheel. And they're like, you don't know how to drive. You don't even have a driver's license. He's like, hey, I don't care. We're going in. So George is like punching um, Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt, like practically at the same time, at least rolling around on the floor with him, them. And Alice is on the phone with 911 trying to call, describe the warehouse and where they're at. <laughs> and she drops the phone when she sees Ted take off in their car. So Ted goes through the double doors, which... Smashes into that tray full of syringes that hit Dr. Varnick in the chest. I remember being in the theater thinking, okay, that guy's gotta be dead because those were a lot of syringes. I don't know what they did. And the kids are all like climbing out of the car like, dad, dad, dad. They're like, oh my gosh, my kids, are you okay? And they're all surprised like, oh my gosh, Beethoven, Beethoven, you're here. And they're like, oh, I love this dog. What a good doggy. And then... Alice is like, George, George. And George is like, honey, where were you? What, why is he driving our, your, our son driving our car? Where were you? And she's like, I was shopping, George. I love that. I laughed my ass off at this thing. She's like, I was calling the police. And he's like, I jumped through the skylight and I fell on these guys. I was punching them. He's like, he's like loving it. Like, I saved the day, honey. You would be so, you would have been so proud if you saw me. Hmm. So now the kids and uh, the Newton family basically they all free all the dogs. They're like, you're free, you can go home. Do they know where home is? So Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt run off. They like cower away, and Sparky jumps onto the station wagon, barks at the other dogs like he's like, let's get together, let's go after Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt. We got some revenge we want to put on some serious hurt on these guys, right? I love uh, Ted's cue, like, sick em, boys! <laughs> and about 50 dogs go chasing after um, Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt. And they're running through <laughs> this uh, sidewalk uh, vendor fruit stand, knocking lettuce, people about, as these dogs are all running after them. One dog that looks like Shadow from Homeward Bound has a lettuce in his mouth, uh, had a lettuce in his mouth. So, Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci, the villains, of course, climb over this fence. They think they're safe. Is it like a junkyard full of junked out cars? And they're like, ah, you can't get me, you can't get me. And then Oliver Plath is the one to look first and turn around and realize just, you thought you were free? You were home free? Hell no. And he's like, because <laughs> Stanley Tucci is just ridiculing the dogs like, and you, and you, and I hate you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And Oliver Plath is like hitting them like, turn around and look at what I'm looking at. And Stanley Tucci is like, what? Like, you need to see this. 
this is not good. They were both like celebrating and waving their arms and like, <laughs> we're free, you can't get me. There's like four Dobermans. You guys are dead. If Oh, they get, uh, they like grab onto each other. So they scream like, oh, hold my hand, we're gonna die. Now the news guy from the, I think the last newscast when Beethoven turned the TV on. Um, yep. All right, Ruth Walters has it. Uh, Dr. Varnick indicted, indicted, indicted. So Ruth Walters has the details of how this all went down. You can find out. So the new ones are at home. They're watching the TV. And Ted's like, hey, it's us. We're on TV. They were indicted on 123 counts of animal abuse. Oh, and we see, like, Varnick. He's got a, He's shackled in handcuffs and everything. Clearly, those syringes did nothing to him. They didn't were plunged into him or anything. Um, but he says these were scientific investigations. Like, dude, that is not going to help your fucking case. Holy shit. Um, wow. Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci, not looking good. Um, they pro those dogs took chunks out of those guys' faces because we got uh, Oliver Platt in a neck brace. Um, his nose is bandaged up. We got Stanley Tucci, who's got sides of his face and his ear bandaged up, as well as his other ear. And his eye's got a big bandage over it. Well, he's probably blind in that eye now. Okay, so they live in Valley Vista, California. Okay, so the news. Broadcast lady introduces the Newton family. Like, the Newton family saved all these dogs and brought th these men to justice. So, George is like, I had no choice to do what I did. Beethoven is not just a dog that walked in off the street. He's a member of our family, and we love him very much. Aww. And Rice is just grinning from ear to ear watching her dad say this. And Emily is just watching this awestruck at her dad just saying how, that he loves Beethoven. And <laughs> the um, news anchor is like, have you always been a dog lover? And of course, they zoom on in on George's face. Like, well, not, not as much as, you know, now. <laughs> and of course, Beethoven barks as the newscaster, like, okay, Beethoven, what do you want to say? He's like, Is this it? Because <laughs> she's... The kids, you know, it's time to go to bed. And they're like, oh, do we have to? And Alice is like, well, it's been a long day. Is this that same? This is the same night. But they've probably been at the courthouse giving um, their um, stories and everything like that, too. You know, I'm sure, like, the cops and everyone wanted to interview them. And all the kids hug him. And I love, like, Emily, like, hey, can I stay up? As George lifts her into there, like, you are up, kid. Time to go to bed. Of course, there is a phone call for a little somebody that George picks up, like, oh, Rice, uh, and he's like, who's calling? And it's like, here's the phone, don't stay on too long. She's like, well, who is it? He's like, oh, um, someone from your school, Mark something. And she's like, <laughs> really? Yeah. You're going to be popular because you were on TV. She gets a date because she's like, really, Friday? Well, at first she's like, no. It's probably, I wonder if he's like, well, were you nervous to be on TV? And she's like, oh, no. She's like, really, Friday? So she is going on a date. Yeah! So we're in, to close out the movie, we have George and Alice are in bed. It's dark. We got Beethoven on the bed. We got Sparky on the bed. As the camera pulls outward, we see that currently they are housing all those dogs, probably temporarily until they could probably 
um, set up like an adoption thing or something or where, or, well, more than likely those dogs are probably previously owned by other people who are probably looking for them. So they probably want to get those dogs back to their previous owners, not just set them up and adopt them into new homes. But yeah, and it just, this movie's great, guys. I loved it. It's, this was so much fun covering this and I can't wait to do the sequel Beethoven second alright let's look at some goofs here real quick we got when 10 rice are playing Super Mario Brothers 3 okay it's the third one they are both mashing away on the controllers however when it shows the close up of the screen we see that they're only playing a one player game at the time continuity see this is the thing that I saw I think when Alice places bacon on George's plate she puts down two I thought she put down three. Before Beethoven eats one, there are three. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is because the same footage of bacon being placed on a plate was used twice, which had two pieces. In the scene after Beethoven attacks the vet, Dad goes into the backyard and gets Beethoven to take him to the vet's office. The dog's neck and snout are mysteriously clean, even though only moments earlier they were smeared with fake blood. After... Brie, okay, so that's what her name was. After Brie, that's Patricia Heaton, knocks over her glass at the barbecue, Alice picks it up and it's intact. When she walks away with it, it's broken. When Ted drives the car into the warehouse, he runs into the table with with the needles twice. At different times, George drives a wood paneled station wagon and a solid brown station wagon. I didn't notice that. When Alice looks out the window and sees Beethoven attacking the vet, there's no blood on Beethoven when she sees the attack. Well, if you think about it, she is, like, in the kitchen, and the window is a far distance from the kennel. Um, When the dog comes out of the kitchen, he gives the mail to Alice, and she puts it under her arm, and the next shot, Alice is putting the bacon on Rice's plate, and the mail is not under her arm. Um, let's see. When Beethoven dragged the table and George's obnoxious clients at the sidewalk down the street, the table had skis on it. Really? I missed that. When George comes into the house during a rainstorm, you can see clear, sunny skies outside. Um, when Harvey and Vernon hop the fence into the junkyard and the Dobermans come out, a trainer or other crew member can be seen behind the pallets. Really? Um, let's see. When George goes out to the newspaper, the shadow of the... Everything alright? Alright, I'm looking at the soundtracks. We have Roll Over Beethoven by Chuck Berry. Let's see. Performed by... Oh, it was written by Chuck Berry. Performed by Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band. Let's see. Lady Marmalade... Symphony number no. five in C minor. Okay, so that is the Ludwig. So it's not the number nine; it's number seven. Jimmy Olsen's Blues. All right, so I want to read a review. It says brilliant family film, May fifth, two thousand fourteen. I do not know how the hell one of my f- one of my all time. Childhood favorite films is rated 5, but I can tell you this film is one of the greatest family films of all time, even watching it again all these years later. Great film about family love, awesomeness, and man's best friend. I made an IMDb account just so I could make a review to defend this film, as I was shocked to see it had such a low rating. When in reality, this film is an all-time classic. Understanding the bond between man and animal really helps you tie into the emotional connection the family has with the dog. 10 out of 10 as a family film comedy. We'll be watching with my kids for sure, and you should too. 
Alright, one more 10 out of 10. This one's from 2005. If you love family animal films, you will laugh till you cry at the antics of Beethoven and his human companions. The scene where the children are trying to find a name for the dog is cute, and if you like classical music, you will appreciate the humor behind how the name is finally derived. I was rather surprised to see good guy Dean Jones star of many Disney films in his portrayal of the dastardly and evil vet. I almost did not recognize him with the thick soda bottle bottom glasses. But as always, Mr. Jones gave a stellar performance. X-Files star David Duchovny plays the part of a company representative who wants to try to take over the family business. Or family's business. And only Beethoven sees him and his female partner for what they are and takes them on the ride of their lives. One of the funniest scenes of the film. I generally find sequels are not as good as the first, but in this case... The humor of Beethoven's second. Ew, they say, I've never seen the third one. I Guys, I'm stopping at the second. One and two are the best in my eyes. Um, hold true to the first and... Oh, it says, and Beethoven's third hold true to the first and also worth viewing. Um, so that being said, um, rating it one out of five stars. I'm rating it five. For me, this movie still holds up. I love it. It's adorable. I hope you enjoyed it. I know this this uh, review is garnering uh, almost three hours long, but I had a fun time, and I hope you guys have a fun time listening to this. And I will be back soon with Beethoven's second. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody.